1: To the Spoken Spoken Ladies and Gentlemen, here is Lance Twitwell. This is The Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside The Spoken Studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's well, good? Episode 152 in full swing, full motion, man. We are so fucking happy to be here with you guys this week. The passion is real. We are so glad, man, to still be talking Chiefs football after a miraculous all-time great game against the Buffalo Bills. That, trust me when I say we got a lot of takes to get to on that one, man. We got a lot of Chiefs previewed uh, with the Bengals. We have all kinds of different thoughts when it comes to the Chiefs and what's going on around the entire league as well because we also have an nfc championship to get to that uh, trevor and i have some predictions that we could be nailing on that game in particular that one of us one of these teams get right, man. All of a sudden, we, we look like geniuses around here. That doesn't happen very often. You might be wondering where our guy, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, Eddie Ortiz, is this week. He's out in St. Louis hiding from us, as you can imagine, because if you remember just one week ago, Eddie was the only one on this show that picked the Bills, and I can understand why he decided to go and take a little trip to St. Louis, but nevertheless, we wish our guy nothing but the best. He's out there having himself a good old time, and we can't wait to have him back next week, because trust me when I say we ain't letting the receipts fall away, boys and girls. We're going to have plenty to talk to, talk about, but in the meantime, with you guys, I want to thank you no matter whether you're YouTubing, podcasting, or live streaming. Thank you so much for letting us play a small portion in your life each and every week. We love having you, and we appreciate everything that you guys do for us, and we hope that we give you guys just as much back in return. But let's start, man, right where it ended off last week when we told you guys how I felt about that game. Going into the matchup against the Chiefs and the Bills, how it was going to be a significantly different matchup between these two teams, not just because of the motivating factor of the Chiefs getting revealed In Arrowhead Stadium against the team that absolutely humiliated them back in week five, but also for the fact that they were two completely different teams since the last time they faced. The Bills didn't have Tredavious White anymore. You saw the Chiefs added back Chris Jones and moved into his natural position. They went and got Melvin Ingram. They went and got Charvarius Ward back. Uh, You saw Daniel Sorensen's percentage of snaps dropped astronomically. And we all felt very good about this matchup, outside of Eddie Ortiz, of course. And I told you guys that I didn't feel that these two teams were on the same level. Well, after that game, I still feel the same way. I just think that Josh Allen showed how incredibly great he still really is and how great he can be in big moments, and I have a lot of respect for him in that, in that. But you saw the the difference between these two teams early in the game, and I want to get to that especially because of the fact that I think that even though the Chiefs lost Tyron Matthew in the first drive of the game, there was a lot that the Chiefs left on the field. And, 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 and I think, guys, if I'm going to look back at this one, and I think a lot of us are going to look back at this one and say, That might have been the greatest football game we've ever seen. In, in our life. Trevor and I, Eddie, we all watch this game together and um, I don't know if I've ever had so many hills and valleys in one particular game. I do yeah. remember that my I told you guys my favorite game of all time as a Chiefs fan was the twenty nineteen Texans divisional round game when the Chiefs are down twenty four to nothing and then go on a fifty one to seven run. This one tops that man I think this is gonna top it. I yeah. think this is gonna top it just because like I said, there's so much back and forth. It literally watch it felt like we were watching a Rocky Balboa movie, a Rocky film where him and Drago are are just trading blows in the 11th and 12th round. Nothing left. They're just trying to get everything they have to get that last victory. And it really came down to who got the final hook in. And that's exactly what happened in this game. You saw Patrick Mahomes do something so legendary where he not only outperformed Josh Allen in the passing game, but he outrushed Josh Allen and got a rushing touchdown in this game. He did things that were so profound and I think showed everybody what I have been preaching for a couple of years now, that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play. Play football. And that was an ultimate and the and, and the epitome display of what I've been saying and what I've been feeling for so long. And I hope, I hope a lot of you guys are starting to lean on that side. I know he's only 26 years old, but what he did in this game was just simply unreal. And I don't believe any other quarterback could have done what Patrick Mahomes, and I mean the history of the game, could have done what Patrick Mahomes in this game did. I think the Bills beat 100% of every other quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes in the history of the NFL, the way they played in that game, because Josh Allen absolutely brought it. The Bills looked absolutely incredible, and I think they deserve to win that game against 100% of other quarterbacks, not named Patrick Mahomes. But unfortunately, they ran into what we now know as the Grim Reaper in the league. And so as great as this game was, I'm going to be honest with you guys, and this might not sit well with some of you guys. I haven't even really talked to Trevor about this at all. I like to keep a lot of things in the show as fresh as possible so we can give you guys honest reactions to what we think and feel. As great as this game was, and it might have been the greatest football game I've ever seen play, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, several other people have been saying throughout the week that that was the greatest football game they maybe have ever seen, It didn't need to be. See, here's the thing. the chiefs should have won this game by double digits. I had the chiefs winning this game 35 to 23, and it should have been something close to that because in the waning moments of the game, that score was very still that was still very much in play. But here is why that didn't happen. See, in playoff scenarios, it is so important that all three phases of the game connect and are cohesive. But the Chiefs didn't have that. Because, as we mentioned earlier, the Chiefs lost Tyron Matthew in the first drive of the game. With a concussion, Derek Noddy's knee hit him right in the back of the head as he was trying to make a tackle on Josh Allen, who was running to the outside Right. So they didn't have their captain on defense. And you saw how lost Mike Hughes and some of these other younger cornerbacks were throughout the duration of the game, especially late when they needed their leader the most. You saw Harrison Butker leave four points on the board that were very pivotal. Because as you guys all know, this game went into overtime and the Chiefs had to kick a field goal just to get into overtime. Harrison Butker makes his field goals. Chiefs win this game. And of course, something that... Look, I'm gonna preface this, and you guys all know if anybody's been following my work for any length of time, you guys know that I love Andy Reid endlessly, unconditionally. But I still criticize him when he deserves to be criticized. And as as happy as I am that Andy Reid got another playoff victory, and as happy as I am that he is our team's head coach, Andy Reed may have maybe maybe made the, the dumbest, the stupidest decision of his NFL career as a head coach in this particular game. It was twenty three to twenty one. The Chiefs are driving. I believe they were on their 13-yard line, 12-yard line, which is ironic if it was 13-yard line, but they were within striking distance of scoring a touchdown. And there were only a few minutes left. And Andy Reid decides to take the ball out of the one player that had been carrying the Chiefs literally and figuratively all game on the offensive side, Patrick Mahomes. And he has Blake Bell do a direct snap on a third and four. And he runs to the right and does an option play. I believe it was to Jarek McKinnon and they lose yards. It was in it was a horrendous decision. Not just because it was Blake Bell going to a backup running back but it was because of the fact that you're taking the ball out of the hands of the man that you glossed as the Grim Reaper after the game to the press. And that took off and created a firestorm of all these different brands and clothing clothing brands to make all their own versions of what the Grim Reaper is with Patrick Mahomes. It's made national headlines. And it's a great thing to say. It's, it's That is one of the hottest things I've ever heard Andy Reid ever say. He dropped the mic on that. That was, went crazy that was freaking that. unbelievable. Yeah. I love Trevor's post on Facebook. He goes, you know... Maybe people should start making some shirts of the Grim Literally Reaper. Really <laughs> everyone.
0: There's like grandmas but, coming out of nowhere. I
1: made mine too. <laughs> right. you know I mean? Granny Maples over yeah. here. But this is why it upset me. It's because Andy Reid decided to take the ball out of the, the Grim Reaper's hands. So how is he supposed to be great when you're taking out, taking it out of his hands? If if the Chiefs keep the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands right there, they score a touchdown. Yeah. And they go up thirty to twenty they go up thirty to twenty-one. Yeah. And the Chiefs are gonna win that game. And again, you tack on the other four points from Harrison Butker. The Chiefs are up double digits. So there's some execution flaws that the Chiefs the had timing. in this one. It was the
0: timing of when that play was executed. If that was like in, the, in our second drive of the game or something, fine. You know, have a little fun, try to mix it up. Or the
1: Chiefs are blowing out the bills, let's say the Chiefs are up like 34 to 10,
0: yeah.
1: and, and they want to run that, I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm yeah. like, okay, that was, I mean, was I still kind Blake, of dumb. B- but Blake
0: Bell played some quarterback in his day. But It's I mean, a
1: one-possession game, yeah, and you're just, getting cute was, in the red zone. It was third
0: and one. He should have just... Third and one. He? I said third and four. Yeah, yeah he should have just ran it right up the middle. Yeah, so, think, so.
1: so that, that was that was the only, and I have to be consistent, here guys I have to keep my energy consistent here I have to still give out my criticisms but outside of that the Chiefs were magical on offense teams, 552 yards of offense 42 points and I don't want to be the one that tries to ignore the whole overtime controversy that now has taken shape because I know people just love to ignore what happened in the first four quarters of the game but I'm going to address the overtime thing and i want to get Trevor's thoughts on this in just a second but I have to address this it's so ironic to me how the difference in results with the different teams having those results are what is igniting this now fire and vitriol that people are having towards the overtime rule. And in case you don't know what the overtime rule is, if you have if you win the coin toss and you get the ball, you you choose to receive the ball and you score a touchdown, the game is over. And that's exactly what happened. The Chiefs ended up winning the toss. Josh Allen called Tails. The Chiefs got heads. They Anthony Hitchens chose to select uh, was selected to receive. And, and uh, Patrick Holmes, I think it was like a five, six yard drive play or uh, five, six play drive. And they ended up winning the game on a, on a Travis Kelsey touchdown. And everybody's all ups, upset about Josh Allen never got a chance. You know, the, 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 the coin toss is what won the game. I don't know about you guys, but I, I checked the numbers before each and every matchup and I saw. And I heard everybody bringing it up in the matchup com- comparison that the Bills had the number one ranked defense in the NFL this season. Trevor, can you confirm that? It's confirmed. It's yes. confirmed. Yeah, they had the number one ranked defense in, in in the league this season, and everybody told me that was going to be an X factor in this game. Well, it wasn't because the Chiefs dominated the Bills' defense. Patrick Mahomes was running all over this defense. He was chucking the ball to each and every receiver he wanted to whenever he felt privy to doing so. And they couldn't stop him. They couldn't even. They couldn't beg him to to slow down at all. Let alone stop him. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting here bitching about an overtime rule that literally had no. Real bearing on the game, if we're being honest, guys, because, like I said, the Bills allowed the Chiefs to stick around and tie the game at the end of regulation. They didn't defend Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill nearly at all. Travis Kelsey's literally telling Patrick Mahomes, look, I'm going to run down the seam. They're not guarding it. And he goes right... They they drive right down the field. They they went 48 yards in less than 13 seconds. Everyone's hung up on this 13-second thing. It was 10 seconds. So... Well, how about the three? Bills play some fucking defense <clears> and regulation, <throat> and you don't have to worry about a fucking coin toss in overtime See, to dictate what, what happens? Makes, that's
0: what makes our situation worse when it happened to us because we stopped, we we picked off Brady, but we had an on offside, or on or yeah an encroachment call right by D Ford that kept the Patriots alive, and then it went into overtime. Right, that's what made ours even worse. And that's what's funny is that
1: because it was the Patriots dynasty, people looked at that as well. That's just Brady. That's just what he does. But now we're sitting here, Patrick Mahomes has played 10 career playoff games, which isn't a little. It's a lot, actually. And people are still hung up on, well, Josh Allen didn't get his chance, damn it. No, Josh Allen had plenty of chances. But the Chiefs, unlike the previous three opponents of the Bills, made the Bills punt. Defense wins Super Bowls. I'm sorry. The Bills punted four times in that game, if I'm not mistaken, Trevor, right, against the Chiefs? They didn't punt at all for the previous three weeks. Yep. So... We need to start giving some credit to the Chiefs. Not Now, the Chiefs' defense wasn't great in this
0: game at all. Neither defense could stop each but other. But the man. Chiefs yeah.
1: did slow down Josh Allen enough to give them a chance at the end of the I game, mean, and that's what happened.
0: If you have an elite play- playmaker like Tyron Matthew go out in the first series, that's going to shake any defense, though. So, I mean, I give our defense kudos for doing what they did to the extent that they played. I mean... That's tough to overcome, man. And supposedly Spags has come out numerous times talking about that was a we had a very Matthew centric game plan going into that game because it makes sense. I mean, he's the captain of our defense, man. So losing him early like that was just a, a massive blow. And I, pff, the fact that we overcame it and, and pulled that game out was incredible in itself.
1: Now, I do want to say this on the Bill side of things. Um... I'm going to give all the respect in the world to Josh Allen because, like I said, he absolutely balled out, and I do truly believe the Bills beat any other quarterback ever. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, any name you want to throw out there, they beat those guys that night. It showed what Patrick Mahomes is. I'm going to give Josh Allen a lot of credit here, but I, I don't want this to happen anymore. I don't want people comparing Patrick Mahomes or any other quarterback to Patrick Mahomes again until anybody can show me that they can play to the level that he plays in the playoffs. And again, Josh Allen was great in this game, guys. But Patrick Mahomes outperformed Josh Allen. Make no mistake about it. I don't care what any of these shows are telling you. Listen to what I'm saying right now. Go watch that game again, and you tell me who was the best quarterback on the field in that game. Because not only, again, did Patrick Mahomes throw more passing yards and on a higher completion percentage than Josh Allen, he outrushed him, and he scored touchdowns with his feet as well. So make no mistake about it. That may have been Patrick Mahomes' greatest performance of his career, and my God, is that saying something? I mean, we saw we saw the guard variety from Patrick Mahomes in this game. Yeah. We saw the sidearm throw that ended up being like a slider that, that, that made headline news, and and we saw him. Uh, this is the first game in Patrick Mahomes' entire career where he didn't throw the ball more than twenty yards in the air once. I mean, the first touchdown he of the game, dominated the, the, the Bills.
0: The, the fading throw to Pringle in the end zone was yeah. incredible too, man. And he
1: saw the poise even with thirteen seconds left on the clock. You saw, I mean, Josh Allen's family's up in their suite celebrating. Tony Romo is announcing a victory for the Bills with 13 seconds remaining. And Patrick Mahomes is standing on the sidelines looking like, yeah, I'm about to end this. He just
0: pops that jacket and off. His I, don't
1: know, yeah, I don't know if anybody's watched the mm-hmm. Red Tribe Cinema newest video that, that Clay just brought out, our mm-hmm. producer, Clay Windler. It is an absolute Masterpiece it, it, it describes everything and, and he breaks it down with all the music and the timing. It's so beautiful I highly recommend you go to YouTube and watch red tribe cinemas newest video guys the greatest game ever played because it is the Ultimate depiction so of what man. went down man. I mean, I didn't think I didn't think that game needed any help, but the way that clay put that video together It enhances it tenfold, so hats off to clay for what he did But but there's there's got it guys We've got to end this and this is what I said last week. I remember when I was telling you and Eddie I said I hate the fact that we spend so much time trying to compare Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, and Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all these other great young quarterbacks that are up and coming. They're trying to compare him to Patrick Mahomes and they're just not the same guy. And I'm sick of that because you saw Bobby Stroop Patrick Mahomes' personal trainer showing the heart rate. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah. the, the only time Patrick Mahomes' heart rate even spiked in that game was when exciting <laughs> shit happened.
0: Yeah, this man's it was, dead inside. Yeah,
1: it was <laughs> when Tyreek Hill scored the big touchdown in the fourth <laughs> quarter, and it was when uh, uh, Harrison Butker hit the game-tying field goal. Yeah. The only times you saw the spike well, in the I heart mean, rate. Yeah. It wasn't you're when, not human if you're yeah, not spiking in those It wasn't 100%. when it was on fourth down and they had to convert. It mm-hmm. wasn't on the final drive when he had to get the touchdown. It wasn't on any of those things. Yeah. The man is different. And we need to be able to admit this. So I know that we're cheese fans here, and of course we're going to champion for our guy, but if you are just somebody with two or even one working eyeball, maybe just a couple of ear- eardrums that work... You have to be able to know the difference between what he's doing and what everyone else is doing. So enjoy these other young, great quarterbacks, but you cannot put them in the same tier and category as Patrick. And this game, to me, was the epitome of that. The Chiefs should have never needed overtime to win this game because, like I said, the Chiefs beat themselves a little bit early in the game with the missed field goals, miscalculations, issues issues with Andy Reid's decision-making in some of these scenarios. But my God, man, if the Chiefs could overcome this, because I think we all agreed this was the AFC championship. This is the true AFC. Championship. But these are the two best teams, I think, in the NFL. I think these was the two best teams in the NFL that went off in the divisional round. We were kind of robbed of, a, of an epic AFC uh, championship showdown, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But I think this game epitomized what the Mahomes era is. And the fact that we don't talk about it enough, and I'm going to get Mark Gunnels' thoughts on this, and I'm going to hand it off to you in just a second, Trevor. But I, I just want to say this. Is it not incredible to anybody else how quickly the Mahomes era took off I mean, literally, day one day one MVP, day one contender. Day one. Yeah. There was no, oh, he's got to show this. He's showing mistakes. His first three games, he had 10 passing touchdowns. Oh, I'm sorry, first two games, yeah. he had 10 passing touchdowns, 13 in his first three. We've never seen this before. Tom Brady won championships his first couple of seasons. His first three seasons, he had two championships. But Tom Brady wasn't even no, mvp candidate right. until 2007. That was his sixth season as a starter. Peyton Manning's first career, first season as a starter, 28 interceptions. It took him three or four years to really become who Peyton Manning was. Aaron Rodgers didn't start till his fourth season in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, all the great quarterbacks we can talk about outside of maybe Dan Marino, we've never seen them start off that great. So the Mahomes era is something that, and I can almost understand why some of these shows and some of these people try to push back a little bit, because it's so unprecedented. Patrick Mahomes is so unprecedented that you almost feel intimidated by it to where you want to like wake up from the dream, because there's just no way this is really happening. There's no way that a quarterback starts his crew with four straight AFC championships in his backyard. It just doesn't happen. But now it is. And this is why I told people this could end up becoming one of the greatest, if not the greatest, dynasty we've ever seen because of the fact before the Patriots dynasty, we had never seen anything like that before. Well, now we're seeing things in this dynasty that we've never seen before. So people need to get prepared for what Patrick Mahomes brings to the table and what the Chiefs bring in the Mahomes era to the table because it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Trevor, what was your takeaway from this game against the Bills?
0: Well, that's what just going up, piggybacking off what you just said right now, too, comparing to the Brady, how Brady started his career and stuff like that too Patrick Mahomes has the ultimate respect I've ever seen in a league the ultimate respect being the immediate disrespect right because when, when Tom Brady was getting his early days going and his early, early parts of his career no one was saying who who's going to be the next guy to take Brady down it took like a good dec- almost a decade for Brady to be like the guy who's going to because there was already Peyton Manning was already in this realm there was already guys that were like his equals yeah right <clears throat> Mahomes separated himself so quickly, to where like they got to find the next new flavor of the month. They got to find you know who's going to over, overtake him. Brady was never like the the immediate threat. There was like it was Billichick and that defense. It was it was a collective. Mm. You think of the Chiefs, you think of Patrick Mahomes, you think of thirteen goddamn seconds, ten goddamn <laughs> seconds. Like this is so early in his career, and he's already like trying to. Be, people are already trying to like you know overtake his throne. It's just th- we've never seen anything so. Immediate, mm-hmm. you know, success so immediate, <clears throat> and obviously kudos to to Andy Reid and all this and, and the way what he's walked into because we were already a successful franchise with Alex Smith, but Mahomes was the was the difference maker. Obviously, we all know this, but as far as this game goes, man, I mean, what can I say? I mean, you you've pretty much you kind of covered most of it, but I mean, it's hard to describe the feelings that we, <laughs> I mean we had people over here that weren't even we had a few guys over here that weren't even like big football guys um and they saw us freaking out you know so it was just one of those games man where this just like a roller coaster and i agree with you man there, there was no this game should never have went to overtime we were we were the team that left points on the field the bills you know took advantage of every moment and we took we took blow for blow and it, we still won in overtime when we should have won a regulation because we left you know points in, on the on the field and it, look man bucker can be missing extra points right that cannot be happening especially in the playoffs it's unacceptable right and he was pulling left and then when we would flip fields he was pulling right so he's got to get that we've got <laughs> ironically he was the one that helped us get into overtime but you know um yeah and that play call with blake bell i get it some people are supporting it i know we got uh you know kyle henning on our comments talking yeah. about he's gonna have to you know he's got a bone to pick with you about that because he didn't mind the play call mm. Um, which I, I've heard you know, both sides to it. I get it. This is what makes Andy Reid Andy Reid, if we're being honest. You know, he's the creativity, because when it works, we're like, oh my God, he's a fucking genius. He did it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I give, I, I look, I trust, I don't even, I blindly, naively, not even naively, I blindly just biasly trust Andy Reid to do what he does. The guy has won, the guy has went to four straight divisional games when he was with the Eagles, four straight divisional games, or four straight division championships uh, hosted four straight and now he's hosted four straight uh you know uh a f c championship games with the chiefs so i mean the the guy's track record speaks for itself I'm never gonna doubt him if he makes a play i'm gonna that I don't like i'm gonna be upset with it but this game man was just the most epic football game I've ever watched, and that's not even if, even if I wasn't a chiefs fan and I was just you know sitting at home uh if i was like a you were know, watching football team fan or whatever. Like I, and anyone uh, watching this game just knows that this, the absolute battle and the clash of the Titans, that that was this game, man. And, and like, <laughs> no. I, I definitely came out immediately after that game was over and gave my kudos to Josh Allen, because I, I've been a fan of him. I like those kind of raw talents. That's kind of what Patrick Mahomes was. He was a, he was a, he was un you know, tamed beast, Yeah, you know, uh, with untapped potential. And, and I think that's similar what, to what Josh Allen is. He's a big kid. He's tough to bring down. Um, you know, and then we lose Tyron Matthew in that game, and he knows that, and he was attacking us, you know, over the middle a lot with Gabriel Davis, and Gabriel Davis was absolutely just having his way with Mike Hughes. Um, that was the biggest eyesore of the game. I don't know what it is about this Chiefs defense. We we tend to let one guy feast, you know, and then everyone else is kind of like, meh. That's kind of how it was when the, when the Bengals beat us. Jamar Chase is absolutely erupted, but we still were the better team in my mind in that game, and we'll get to that, obviously, but... This game had so many ups and downs, man. Um, I feel like our defense played good in times. Mike, uh, um, you know, uh, Bolton was... Nick Bolton, well, I think, was one of the brighter spots of this defense on the third downs when we stopped him a couple times. Jaren did, Reed got a sack. Jaren Reed got a sack. Chris no. Jones was doing his job. I think, I think it kind of goes unnoticed because he didn't really get any real numbers and his name wasn't really called, but he was... He was blasting up that middle, and making Josh Allen uncomfortable at times. Um, they just happened to burn us in our secondary. Obviously, being without Tyron Matthew was a big factor there. But man, look, I, it, if you know, if we lose, obviously we're having a different conversation, and this is a heartbreaker. But the fact that we have the guy in this league, we have the quarterback, the Grim Reaper, the guy that strikes fear into everyone's soul heading into every single matchup. This is why I. I this is why I don't ever pick against the Chiefs. I never, since Patrick Mahomes has been here, I have never picked another team to win because I'm confident going into every single matchup because we have Patrick Mahomes. And it's not a biased thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, now the Chiefs are going to win. Let's go Chiefs. I'm not just like a dummy, like, yeah, give me a beer. I'm going to get good, get drunk, <laughs> and get Patrick Mahomes. It's literally, I am confident every single, I don't care who's on the other side. Yeah. I don't care what coach. I don't care what, what, what quarterback. It doesn't matter. This is why. When it comes down to it, when you need that one guy. When you need Michael Jordan. When you need LeBron James. When you need Steph Curry to hit a shot it's it we have the guy in this league man and it it still feels unbelievable because us as chiefs fans we've suffered for so many years and it's hard to realize what you have until you have it until you like kind of like you wake up and you're like holy shit yeah <laughs> we're the team we have the guy we have the coach right now like we are set up and this is now we're on our should be our fourth straight super bowl trip hopefully here that's what it would be it would it should be but um yeah man listen i'm confident in this team i'm confident heading into this next matchup that game was incredible. It was obviously an offensive showdown. Um, neither, can, neither team could stop each other. And I don't want to hear about the overtime rules. They are what they are. Uh, the Chiefs tried their best to, you know, change the rules when we got screwed by them. But, I I mean, I don't want to hear it, man. It is what it is. Like, the rules are the rules. And Josh Allen had his chance to to put us away when he had chances. You know, he shouldn't have ever gotten stopped on the third down. Then, if you want to talk about that, take advantage of every moment, you know. And the defense couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, man. So... Well, and now with that playoff win, uh, I, I told
1: you about this after the game. I was saving this one uh, because I was that confident the Chiefs were going to win the game. Uh, that Patrick Mahomes has more playoff wins now than the Jaguars, the Cardinals, Bengals, Browns, Texans, and Lions. That's 19% of the league. Yeah. Now Patrick Mahomes is tied with Dan Marino, Steve Young, Eli Manning, and Jim Plunkett in career playoff wins at only 26 years old. And uh, in this, t- in the f- after the two-minute warning and in overtime, Patrick Mahomes was 10 of 13 for 188 yards, two touchdowns with a 158 quarterback rating, which is essentially a perfect quarterback rating. And to explain how incredible that is, uh, Patrick Mahomes had 57 more yards, two more touchdown passes, and only one fewer completion after the two-minute warning than Jimmy Garoppolo had in four quarters versus the Packers. Mm. That's just absurd. Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners are in the NFC Championship. So that should just tell you about that. And also, I don't know if you guys saw ESPN Stats and Info drop that amazing nugget that since 2018, this might be the greatest stat I've ever heard of of a Patrick Patrick Mahomes stat, and there's a ton of them, but maybe the best one I've ever heard, that since 2018, which was when Patrick Mahomes took over, when the Chiefs have a win probability drop below 5%, they're (laughs) 3-1. Yeah. The rest of the league in that span, the rest of the league in that span is 1-38. in
0: That's what I'm saying. That's why my confidence goes into every matchup. I'm picking the Chiefs because we have the guy that gets it done in the crunchiest moments. They're not
1: the same. Because, again, I've given Josh Allen all the credit in the world. This guy might be right now the second best quarterback in the league. He might legitimately. If you tell me that right now, I may not fight you on that. I might have other guys that I could say are just as good as him right now. Josh Allen this season and the Bills in one-possession games yeah. were 0-6. They're not the same. That's the difference. He's an awesome quarterback. Man, he can make some great throws. He can run like Cam Newton in his prime, and he can throw like Brett Favre. But, man, when it comes to crunch time and it comes to when it matters most, who are you taking? That's a, It's so funny, man, that people always told me back in the day, and even up to this year, that they would take Tom Brady over anybody because of clutch moments and clutch games and all these other things. Yeah, yet yeah, people don't name the moments that Tom Brady had that had all these clutch moments, supposedly. I can name three in these playoffs alone. And by the way, Patrick Mahomes is right now having arguably the greatest playoff run we've ever seen from a quarterback. And I don't know if you guys have seen his numbers in home playoff games, which, by the way, outside of Super Bowls, is the only games he's ever had because we, we host every we single scored, AFC championship. He yeah, scored
0: 84 points in the two games so far. Eight,
1: 42 and 42 in back-to-back <laughs> weeks. I mean, in, this, in the 94 uh, 49ers yeah. were the ones that had the most points ever in a playoff run with 131 in only three games, which is unbelievable. Steve Young was yeah. going nuts in that playoff run. The Chiefs were on pace to have 168 points. They're about to score 30 more points. Now, I know it would it would probably mean the Chiefs would have to score or they, they would play an additional game if they get to the Super Bowl, which would be 4-3. to three. Yeah. But if the Chiefs go out there and drop 45 this week against the Bengals, they're right there with the 94 Niners. So, at at worst, they would be the second-highest scoring team through three games in a playoff run ever. Yeah. So, that's how impressive this is. And this is why I told you guys. I was on previous podcasts this week. Shout-out to my guy, uh, uh, Lamar uh, Lamar Wallace. He had me on a show this week. Um. I, I said, I, the thing I brought up about this, guys, is that we're, we're looking at the greatest, I believe, the greatest Chiefs team we've ever seen. I said this before, that before the season started because they completely upgraded the offensive line with Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. They, and Andrew Wiley's been balling out, by the way. I think he's done a great job at right tackle for, for the record. Um, they, they go out and they, they, they make moves on the defensive side, Get drafting Nick Bolton. Uh, Willie Gay's healthy. Uh, LeJarri Sneed's got another year. Tyron Matthews here. Chris Jones is in the middle. They go and get Melvin Ingram. Like... This, to me, is the greatest collection of Chiefs players at one single time with the head coaching in place with Steve Spagnuolo, a defensive coordinator. Because, as we all know, growing up in the 90s, it was you have dominant defenses, but my God, is the quarterback position going to kill us each and every time. It was literally like watching the, the Tannehill Titans this time around. That's what it looked like for the Chiefs. Dominant front seven can make things a living hell for the opposing quarterback, but your quarterback just can't make the plays in big games. And then you see the 2000s, where the Chiefs could score on anybody, yeah. but they couldn't stop anybody. So there, there was always the one side of this and one side of that, and they were just always coming up short. Now they have the collection of talent on both sides. They have the veteran experience on both sides. And the craziest thing about it is, since 2018, no one has played more playoff games. No one has more playoff wins. No one has more Super Bowl appearances than the Chiefs. Yet the Chiefs are the second youngest team in the playoffs. 25 years old is their average age. Only the Bengals are younger. That's
0: kudos to this this organization. Absurd. And Brett, Brett Veach. Yes.
1: So, looking at this game as a whole, looking at the and we about, we're about to have our guy Mark Reynolds on. He just let me know he's about the re- he's about ready to dance on this bad boy. And I cannot wait to get Mark's thoughts on this. And we got a lot of other things to get to today, guys. I think this game was the best game that's ever been played in NFL history. I don't want to be prisoner of the moment, but you really have to you really have to show me a game that was better than that, especially. At, 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 its, at its crescendo, at the, at, the, at the climax of it all, man. That, that was the greatest ending I think I've ever seen in a football game. And we talked about the Rams back in 2018 beating the Chiefs 54-51. That may have been the greatest game anybody ever watched. Yeah. And the Chiefs lost that game. And I was still sitting here going, I don't know if I've ever seen a game better than that. Well, now the Chiefs are on the winning side, and it feels good to say that I saw the Chiefs win yeah. maybe the greatest
0: game I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I want to say this too. I, as great as Mahomes has been already up to this point, um, I the scariest part about that game... Is that Patrick Mahomes just proved that he has more? He he, 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 he There's more evolution to him. That he's not a, he's not a ready-made product yet. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is still getting better, guys. This entire season proved that because yeah. defenses look. This is the craziest part about it, guys. And I'm not just saying that because he's my quarterback and he's our guy. The entire league changed and manipulated their defense to stop the the the, the Chiefs' offense. The league is morphing to stop one man. The shell defenses, the the, you know, the two high safeties, the cover two, the, the the bracketing of certain players to take away the deep shots yep. because of the electric the electricity of this offense. And what has Patrick Mahomes done? It took it took a it took a few weeks to really, you know, figure it out. We were struggling early on in this year because of those adjustments from these defenses. But the defenses played their cards too early. the 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 these shell defenses, these 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 cover twos, they show their cards too early. A lot of these defenses should have saved it for the postseason to surprise Pat. Yeah. What you did is you gave Pat that chance to adapt <laughs> and adjust, and Andy Reid to adapt and adjust. And now Patrick Mahomes will dink and dunk you to death. And now he gets working. And, 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 and show his efficiency, show his ability to adapt, and not have to be, you know, not have to depend on his intangibles all the time. Obviously, it still shows. Mm-hmm. But Patrick Mahomes has still has untapped potential, and the league is only responding to it as he's doing it. So he's ahead of the league, constantly setting a new standard, and the, the league's constantly having to adjust. Uh, it's just, it's incredible what the guy's doing, man. He's singly ha- single-handedly changing this game. Every team is trying to find the next patch yep. Mahomes. Everybody's trying to dethrone him. <laughs> I love it, man. Yep. I love being in this position to sit here and talk about the guy that everyone's trying to take down. We're now the villains of the league. It's a fun feeling,
1: and I, and by the way, I, I want to tell you guys that I'm I'm ready to accept it. I think finally that the Chiefs are the the villains of the NFL. I don't think the will ever the Chiefs will ever be as hated as the Patriots were because Bill Bill Belichick was so crotchety with the media, had really no spunk to him at all. He was always just very. Uh, a, I not even and say and Tom one, Brady was yeah. very hated because of all the cheating scandals. <laughs> Patriots were hated by cheating scandals. Andy Reid's very lovable, and people people may hate Patrick Mahomes, but I think it's only because they just know that their team doesn't have him. Yeah. I think if anybody else had Patrick Mahomes, they would be very much in love with what he is and smitten by what he does and how creative a guy he is but uh to to Colin Cowherd's point I want to give him some credit yeah he made about you're you're talking about that the Lee has to try to like figure out Patrick Mahomes as a whole Colin Cowherd had a great take this week about how in the '80s you had John Elway and Dan Marino and all these guys were just raw talent, and they were just able to outperform other defenses because they just the way they played. And then you had the Tom Brady and Mahomes uh, Manning era where you had guys that were learning how to like beat defenses before they even lined up. And now you have Patrick Mahomes that can do both. So it's just unbelievable to see what they've been able to do. And so now, with that said, my God, am I so excited to get our guy? Arrowhead Pride Contributor, Lakers Nation's betting expert, and the host of Mark My Words Sports Podcast. Let's give it up for our guy, Mark Gunnels! How we doing, Mark? What's up, (laughs) man? How you doing, man? How y'all guys doing? We're better now because you're with us, man. It's, (laughs) It's always good to have my friend, my brother, on our show to give us some real content some real insight because we're here just two jackasses talking sports having fun but you're gonna come in here and bring the brains to the equation man are you ready for it yeah of course man every time
0: (laughs) we need help man we need
1: help come on mark (laughs) help us out man now i want to start from the top i want to start with the chiefs bills breakdown now i just got done having a 25-minute segment rant about how I think that was probably the greatest football game I've ever seen. Now, obviously, the Chiefs winning it makes it easier for me to say that, easier to digest why saying that. But I don't feel that it needed to be the greatest game ever. I feel that the Chiefs left points on the board with Harrison Butker's field goal misses and the P- PAT misses. Andy Reid's decisions in the red zone to have Blake Bell run that little option route when he could just had Patrick Mahomes continue to cook like he was all night. I feel that the Chiefs really allowed the Bills to stick around and the Bills stuck around and the Bills had multiple opportunities to win and obviously the Grim Reaper emerged and did what he did. What was your ultimate takeaway from this game and how did you see it playing out throughout it and what was your thought process throughout it?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I agree with you saying the left points on the board obviously I don't know what's going on with harrison Bucker. i mean even the field goal that he did make earlier in the game he almost missed that one too yep. right <laughs> he tried his, he tried his me hardest off, to miss that one but it's crazy because i knew he would make that last one to go to overtime though it's weird like i didn't have no doubt about that one for some reason but um yeah it was definitely one of the greatest games i've ever seen before i mean you got to give josh allen his credit i mean he went toe-to-toe at, with patrick mahomes but his running ability is so hard to stop like when he like has a full head of steam Like on third and short, he's almost impossible to stop in a situation because he's so big, he's so strong. So he definitely showed me a lot. But obviously, too, you didn't even mention this in your um, segue to me, no Tyron Matthew.
1: Yeah.
2: He basically missed the whole game. So, I mean, that I think allowed, you know, Gabriel Davis to kind of have a career day as well because they they attacked that side where he would have been at. You know, you got cornerbacks falling and guys didn't know where to line up. And obviously – Badger is like the quarterback of the defense for the secondary. He puts everybody in position. And you notice a lot of guys are having miscommunications and things like that. So I think that definitely played a big factor as well, as far as missing points on the board is too. So you know, if you have Badger, then you put the points on the board you shouldn't have shouldn't have got,
1: then Chiefs could have won that game by two touchdowns. And that's why I picked the Chiefs initially to win by multiple scores, because I felt that even though the Bills are a really good team, Josh Allen is an elite quarterback. There's, there are levels to this. Mark, you, you preach this all the time on Twitter, man, about how there are always levels and context to everything. And I felt that the Chiefs are just a different team. Patrick Mahomes is a different team. They showed it. Patrick was more consistent than the Chiefs as a whole. And you're right, the Tyre Matthew absence definitely showed its. It reared its ugly head and almost cost the Chiefs this game. But you saw Patrick rise above the rest. You saw him outperform Josh Allen, who I believe would have beaten 100% of any other quarterback that they would have ever faced outside of Patrick Mahomes in that matchup. And looking at. The, the the Travis Kelsey Patrick Mahomes Tyree Hill trio Trevor and I talked about it I, I don't know if you've really touched on it I think you know people talk about Troy Aikman Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin and 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 Peyton Manning Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne or you want to throw Edgeron James in that I think we're looking at the greatest trio that has ever lived in the in the history of the NFL what are your thoughts on that Mark
2: Oh, man, I'm surprised you didn't see my tweet uh, a few days ago. I, t- I literally tweeted about this, and it's, it's like going viral right now. <laughs> well, that's, said, that's not surprising. You, yeah. you tend to do that fairly well often. <laughs> yeah, I said I said this is the best trio in NFL history. I mean, when you look nice. at the dynamic of every person, like it's so different. Like Mahomes is obviously, to me, the most talented quarterback to ever play. Like forget Acule's accomplishments and things like that. He's the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. And Travis Kelsey, you make the case of the best tight end of all time, especially when you look at his postseason numbers. I know you're very uh familiar with that. You're the you're the numbers guy, you're my numbers <laughs> guy. So, so you know about Travis Kelsey's numbers. You know, people may say Gronk, and you know, I, I, I could I could get that argument, but I just think Kelsey's just on a different level, man. And then yeah. Tyreek Hill's probably the most the fastest receiver, the most scariest weapon Dynamic. at the receiver position of all time. So when you combine all those things together. And not to mention you have Andy Reid as your head coach who's the offensive mastermind I mean, I don't see how you can't say that this is the best trio in NFL history
1: Which mark i'm so glad we have you on this week, man It's so timely because you're somebody that works at the national level. You're out there in la man You hear the big wigs talk, you know, you're you're a part of it all man with that said Why do you think and I I gotta get your theory on this man because I know you have them Why do you think, considering all the greatness that the the Chiefs have, uh, have shown over the last four years... Why do you think there's still so much disrespect? Do you think it's because there's there's people just fatigued by the Mahomes era? Do you think it's because that people don't believe they're really as great as they look, or do you think it's just to get clicks and engagement? What is it that that continues to drive people to question this team, doubt this team, no matter who the other quarterback is that Mahomes is going against? We see guys like Adam Rank uh, saying that the 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 Bengals have the advantage at quarterback this week. I mean, is it just the absurdity to to get people to pay attention? do people really believe this crap so
2: man i've been going back and forth on this normally i initially i thought it was because you know to get clicks and engagement and stuff like that but i really thought about it more and i don't know if you guys can answer this for me but did they do did they do this with tom brady and the patriots no no they weren't doing this right no wow okay and they were dominant for 20 years Chiefs runs only been four years. <laughs> they've only won one championship. It's not like it's not like they won three in a row. Like they've only won one Super Bowl. And I have to think that maybe it's because the Chiefs are in a small market. That's the only thing I could think of. They don't want a team from Kansas City to be the face of the league because you know with the Patriots that's still Boston. You know that's a big market. Yeah. You know you got the Red Sox, you got the Celtics, and things yeah. like that. So maybe they can't accept the fact that a small market team is becoming the face of the league and they don't want that that's the only thing I could think of because all these guys are likable I mean Patrick Mahomes is very likable but I will say maybe it's because they also don't like his brother or his fiance, which is I mean that has not to do with Patrick Mahomes though but I mean people are like they hate Jackson they hate his fiance, you know so I don't know man <laughs>
1: Well in and in regards to the Mahomes era in its in its entirety, I mean, obviously we're still so early in it, but with everything I mean, the Chiefs have never not hosted the AFC Championship since Patrick Mahomes has been their starting quarterback. I, I put on Twitter, I I said it on the early part of this show that I think it almost intimidates people or almost makes them feel like they, they want to wake up from this dream that's that they're having of seeing a guy have so much success so consistently and be this dominant individually this quickly because if you look around, man, I mean Tom Brady, he won a he won a Super Bowl his first season as a starter, but it wasn't because of him. It, he was a very average game managing type of quarterback. It took six seasons for t- Tom to even eclipse four thousand yards and become an MVP candidate. Uh, Peyton Manning was really bad his first season. Trey Aikman was horrible his first season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't start till season four. You know, so we we're not used to seeing great or even like top tier quarterbacks. Take off this quickly? Do you think it's because it's so unprecedented that it's causing people to kind of question everything they know about this sport in its entirety?
2: Yeah, I think so, man. I think. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, they man.
1: want to <laughs> chime in. Let let the kid <laughs> chime in, man.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I think uh, I think that's definitely part of it because, like you said, we've never seen it before. We've never seen somebody take off this quickly, like, and then sustain the success, like. We may have seen people like have a great rookie year, but then the next year they have a sophomore slump, you know, or things like that. They kind of fall off. You know, I think people kind of expected that. Cause remember after Patrick Mahomes' MVP year, people were saying, Well, wait till they get film on them. Wait till they see more film and you know, defenses adjust and things like that. And then you know, he wins the Super Bowl. MVP is next year. (laughs) So you know, like that was a thing though. Remember that the film thing was like a big thing, like they need some more film on them. So you know, once that kind of went out the way, it's like now they're trying to diminish his success by saying, well, he has Tyreek Hill. He has Travis Kelsey. He has Andy Reid. How can you not be successful? Any quarterback would be successful there. Well, we had Alex Smith. He had those same guys. Preach. And no, no disrespect to Alex Smith, but he wasn't doing what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now. Right. So I don't want to hear that argument that anybody could just do it with those weapons because they've been there. Andy Reid has been there. So, you know, we just have to accept the greatness for what it is, man. Like, People just it's hard. It's like the LeBron thing too. Like and LeBron's been around forever and people still don't accept his greatness, which is crazy. Yeah. So I oh. mean, we might just have to deal with this for the next 15 years, man.
1: Oh, we could have a whole other segment and conversation about <laughs> LeBron, but we'll save that for when the playoffs get here because I believe the Lakers are gonna get there. I don't know how you feel about Mark, but we can definitely have you back on oh, yeah, later in this sure. year and talk about that. For but um sure. uh, when it comes to the, I want I have one more uh, thing I want to ask about Patrick Mahomes because there's just so much we could talk about just about him and its in itself. I always said my favorite stat or or fact about Patrick Mahomes was the fact that everybody, like you said, thinks that it's Tyreek Kill and Travis Kelsey that makes him great. Well, we saw him against the Steelers in the regular season, without Travis Kelsey and essentially without Tyree Kill, absolutely dismantle that very talented defense led by Mike Tomlin. But it's also the fact that over 40% of his career touchdowns, playoffs included, have gone to guys not named Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So almost 50% of his career touchdowns have gone to guys that most people don't even know exist or guys that are middle-tier players at best. But I think that now the best stat about Patrick Mahomes is the fact that when his team, since 2018's win probability, drops below 5% in a game, they're 3-1, and, and the rest of the league is 1-38. in 38. That's why I tell people that Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, all these guys are great quarterbacks, but there's a different level when it comes to Patrick Mahomes because he does things that literally no one else can or has done.
2: Yeah, I saw that stat on Twitter the other day. I was like, that is... Crazy. I mean, that is insane. I imagine only losses the, the Bucks one, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that. it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When he had a you know a second string offensive line.
1: Yeah. Shoot, almost damn near third string.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that is insane, man. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. When I saw that, my mind was blown. Less than five percent chance. Like, that is crazy.
0: <laughs> Grim Reaper, man.
2: That is crazy, especially considering the Chiefs are probably going into these games, favored it. So yeah. for it to get for it to get below five percent, it had to be something very drastic that had to happen. You know, like being down twenty four to nothing. You know, yeah, <laughs> things yeah. like that are <laughs> thirteen seconds. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's just it's, it's just crazy, man. It really is.
1: Now, I, I want to bring a more sobering topic up because this is something that's still very real and it hits home here in Kansas City because we have a coaching candidate here that is still seemingly. I don't want to assume he's not. We're hoping, but it. it it's starting to look like Eric Bieniemy might be on the outs again. Now, the Vikings job is still open, and he has connections up there, and I'm hoping that he can land that one. But we're seeing other guys in the league get jobs. I mean, we're even hearing that Josh McCown's getting second interviews with the Texans. He's probably going to get that job. He has zero coaching experience. And I said on Twitter, and I know you and I have kind of talked about this before, but at this point, Mark, I don't know what else Eric Bienamy can really do to be more deserving for a head coaching job in this league. I mean, think about it. Not only has this man been the Chiefs OC for the last four seasons, he's been the Chiefs OC in the greatest four-year stretch in franchise history. So... I don't know what else this man can do because men that are far less deserving are getting jobs in this league and are getting opportunities that Eric has been fighting for. And I am I'm under very good information from people that very much know Eric Vinemy that have said this man will take any head coaching job that he has an opportunity to take. So it's not like he's nitpicking out here. He's waiting for a job opportunity. Mark, what in the hell is happening, man? Because you, you watch these games. You pay attention to this team just as much, if not more, than I do. Can you explain this to me, Mimi? Because I am absolutely lost at sea.
2: Yeah, man. Um, it's definitely an issue that the NFL has been dealing with for a while as far as black head coaches in the NFL. I mean, there's only one current one, I believe, and that's Mike Tomlin. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a crazy. problem. We have all these guys that are – we have a, a plethora of great defensive coordinators that are black, offensive coordinators that are black. I mean, why did Brian Flores lose a job in Miami? I mean, he was like the most successful head coach they've had in the last 30 years. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy to me. And, uh, and, you know, the narrative around EB is just so wild because when the Chiefs offense is not doing well, people are assuming that he's the one calling the plays. Mm -hmm. Oh, it must have been EB calling the plays. (laughs) But when they're doing good, oh, Andy Reid's calling the plays. He can't win. like. So when they're doing bad, it's it's all him calling the plays. But when they're doing good, oh, it must be Andy Reid calling the plays. Like, we don't really know who's calling the plays and when they're calling the plays because we're not in those rooms. and I have no idea. But I think it's just funny how when they're doing bad, it's EB calling the plays. Yeah. <laughs> and when they're doing good, it's Andy Reid calling the plays. So, I mean, it, it's ridiculous, man. I mean, he's been the most successful offensive coordinator, obviously, over the past four years. You know, and uh, people are going to use the – you know the talent excuse and things like that but i mean at some point you have to give him some type of credit i mean he's he's in those rooms you know those the players speak highly of him every time patrick mahomes travis kelsey tyreek hill andy reed i mean you know so it's just really baffling to me that he just can't get a job and then i don't want to hear the argument that he's not interviewing well like come on man i watch this guy's press conferences every week he's very well spoken he seems like a great leader of men i mean he has better pressers than Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid doesn't really give much. Like when Eb talks, you're like really in tune. Like he, he a room, brings you in, and like I would fight for that guy. Like I'll run through a wall for him. So yeah. I don't, I don't get it, man.
0: And
1: just to add to that, before we move to the next uh, question, I have for you. It's also the fact that what's puzzling is that we see the success that the Andy Reid coaching tree has had. I mean, Sean McDermott, Ron Rivera, Matt Nagy had some success. He took the Bears to the playoffs twice with Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, there's guys that that, throughout the years that Andy Reid has had through his tutelage go and be successful coaches in this league. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. He won a Super Bowl where Andy couldn't. And then you look at Bill checks tree, and it's just failure after failure after failure, failure outside of Brian Flores. So I agree with you completely. Should be a head coaching uh, head coach in this league. The Dolphins absolutely screwed that up. They're going to go right back into purgatory. But you see Josh McDaniels and guys like that getting coaching opportunities with the Raiders, and this man literally left the Colts on red. I don't. I, I can't understand it for the life of me, man. But. There's been some rumors, and I don't like to jump ahead because obviously there's so much going on right now with the Chiefs. I'm having another AFC championship at their home, another Super Bowl run in them. But I've seen you, I've seen my guy Nick Wright, I've seen other people out there talking about this. The wide receiver market is going to be rich this offseason. And I know the Chiefs are going to be in the market. And we know that they want to add as many weapons to this offense to make it as easy as possible for Patrick Mahomes to continue to dominate. There's names like Juju Smith-Schuster, who has reportedly said he would like to play for the Chiefs one year later, albeit. But maybe he finally woke up and realized what the hell he's missing out on. I I guess Andy's going to have to show him a picture of two Lombardis at this point. Uh, OBJ with the Rams, who's been flourishing now that he's finally got a capable quarterback to throw him the ball. There's rumors that he might be coming to the Kansas City Chiefs this next offseason. There's a lot of guys out there. Allen Robinson, possibly. I mean, there's a lot of names. Mark. What do you think, man? I mean, if you had a pick of the litter, if you will, who's the guy that you want to see the Chiefs uh, acquire this offseason?
2: Oh man, it's a plethora of guys, man. I mean, it's like like the riches, you know? It's like pick <laughs> your pick your choice. You can't go wrong with a few <laughs> of these guys. But uh, if I have to say like my top, I give my top three, my wish list. That's realistic because obviously number one would be Devonte Adams, but that's not realistic. <laughs> That'd be lovely. For, he's asking for thirty million a year. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> So uh, I would say, number one, I'll probably say Allen Robinson. I mean, this guy puts up big numbers, and he hasn't had a good quarterback. He's yeah. in Jacksonville and then Chicago. Yeah, And uh, this past year was kind of rough, but, I mean, they had a rookie quarterback. And we obviously know Matt Nagy. It just didn't work out there, man. It was just a terrible situation. But prior to this year, he's put up monster numbers with not even average quarterbacks. I mean, below average quarterbacks. So imagine him, and then not to mention, he's been their only number one true receiver. So now imagine you bring him in Kansas City when you have to worry about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. He's going to see one-on-ones, and oh, he's going to have Patrick Mahomes throwing the football to him. And he's still relatively young. He's not even old. He's still young. So he'll be number one. Number two would be Amari Cooper. The the Cowboys may have to let go of him because as far as salary cap issues they have going on down there. So they may have to cut ties to him to free up some cap space. He's one of the best route runners in the league, in my opinion. He's still young. And, I mean, that guy, I think. We've seen what he's done when he's healthy. And he's been healthy pretty much the past three years. He's only missed three games in the last three years. So I think him here as well would be great. And I would just love to hear that Coop Chen in Arrowhead. I think yeah. that would be pretty dope. Can you imagine that? Every catch in Arrowhead?
0: Ooh. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would be dope. And number yeah. three, I have to say OBJ. I know, I know you were you weren't against you were against OBJ in, in the middle of the season, but I saw your tweet. You're now you're all for it. Yep. But the only thing is, I just highly doubt he would leave LA though. He, yep. like he loves LA. He loves the big market. You know, so I don't think he's actually gonna leave. But if he did, I would love to have him here as well. So that would be my top three if I had to pick.
1: I love your top three. Uh, I would gladly take any of those guys. And to further clarify my stance on the OBJ situation, the reason why I did not want him midseason is because this Chiefs offense was in the middle of really finding themselves again. We all know this. They were really struggling to battle that cover two defense, and Patrick Holmes was really – Finding his way through it. I felt that adding OBJ, who would have to learn the offense as the offense is learning itself, would have just been a cluster. And I just didn't want to see that happen. I wanted to see the Chiefs' nucleus as is work through that and get through it. And we, we both know here, man, that the Andy Reid offense is so precise and detailed. And you have to really know it. You have to really know it to be effective in this offense. And you've seen guys take an entire year to two years to really blossom in it. And I just didn't think that OBJ was going to be able to catch up that quickly. Is he extremely talented? Hell yeah. He's only 20, what, 8, 28, 29? Yeah. If you get him this offseason, I will gladly accept it because I think he would have an entire offseason to really work his way through. We obviously know that that would be a signing that the Chiefs would be making for the playoffs for a further playoff push. So even if he doesn't have big numbers in the regular season, he's an upgrade to Byron Pringle, even though Byron Pringle's been good. He's an upgrade to anybody you could throw out there. I, I agree with you, man. I think that Amari Cooper would have to be traded, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I think they were, like, Bleacher Report, Gridiron was saying something about a first-round pick for the Chiefs. I would really have to think about that one, but Amari yeah, Cooper... Yeah, I don't
2: know if I get one first. I don't yeah,
1: I, I don't know if i do that either, but you're right, dude. He has a route tree outside of maybe a few guys that is unlike anybody else, and he's only 27 years old. I would love to have Amari Cooper, and I would join the chance of the... Coop. I would gladly <laughs> join in on that one, man, but... um. Uh, Uh, A Couple other questions we have for you mark. We're now in the AFC championship and it's against an opponents that not only did any of us ever see Coming earlier this year. I did not even have the Bengals in the playoffs here They are in the AFC championship and I want to give them as much credit as possible Especially because they already gave the Chiefs an L earlier in the year in week 17 mark you saw me bitching and bitching and bitching about the, the Week 17 game and, and why I believe the Chiefs really lost that game was because of terrible officiating. I know that Jamar Chase had a humongous game. I know that Spaggs absolutely went out of his mind with that third and 27 blitz play. I get it. But even with those considered, the Chiefs were still winning that game the entire game. The Bengals didn't get the lead until the fourth quarter. And so... I want to see the players dictate the out, the outcome, and we both know that those refs implemented themselves in that game with all the penalties in, this in the fourth quarter to really help the Bengals get second life and get back in that game to where they managed to get a field goal at the very end of the game to win that game. I think this one is going to be significantly different, but I want to give all my predictions away because this is your opportunity. This is your segment, so you take it away. How do you see this one being different from the Week 17 matchup, or do you see it being more of the same?
2: Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. Uh, I mean, even before that game, they had a substitute ref come in out of nowhere. That was, like, really random. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they had, like, four or five drives that were kept alive when they were stopped on third down. I mean, that's significant. And yeah. that's why the Chiefs only touched the ball three times in the second half. You know, so, I mean, that definitely played a big factor. And I don't like how people act like refs don't di- dictate momentum of the game. Like They just say, you just got to play through it. I mean, yeah, but when they're continuing drives, it's pretty hard. <laughs> right. And you're Now you're tired because you already stopped them. And now you have to play for another set of downs. So, I mean, refs definitely can dictate the outcome of a game. Let's not act like they can't. And uh, but definitely Spags was number two on the list of why we lost that game. I mean, I don't know why you just continue to guard Chase one-on-one on the island after he's cooking you all game, and that I just couldn't that third and 27 just oh my gosh, I I mean that doesn't matter now because we end up getting home field advantage anyway. But I was like, wow, that really cost this home field advantage, like third and 27 an all-out blitz, a cover zero blitz, really. Yeah. why not just play soft give them 10 15 yards who cares right (laughs) and if they kick a field goal you're still only down by three with three minutes to go that was crazy to me so i mean i would imagine that he does not do that again i mean that would be idiotic to have that same game plan again so i think it's safe to say that jamar chase will not have over 200 yards we have over 100 yeah probably sure yeah sure he's that good yeah but he's not gonna have over 200 yards and then also, I don't think the Chiefs will only score three points in the second half this game. We've seen in the playoffs, they turn up to a different level, and they're not going to put their fall off the gas at all. I mean, we saw the last two games, they scored 42 points. Last, four, last two games against better defenses. Yeah. I think Pittsburgh and Buffalo both have better defenses than Cincinnati, and they're moving the ball against them at will. And let's not forget that kick return that Pringle had got called back for a very questionable holding call in that game. That would have made it 35-17 to 17 to start the second half. Oh, don't forget, Tyreek Hill dropped the easy pass before halftime. That would have set him up at least in field goal range. So a lot of just weird stuff happened in that game. But, you know, give credit to Cincinnati. It took advantage of it. They won the game. Good for them. They're not so even supposed to be here. So they've already achieved their season. They've already – this season is a success for them. If they lose or win, doesn't matter. They've already – anything else is a cherry on top at this point. For the Chiefs, it's winning the Super Bowl. That's the only thing. If they don't win a Super Bowl, this year is a failure. So I just believe the two different mindsets into this game, and it's an arrowhead. I mean, come on. And we saw the Joe Burrow quote, obviously, it's been resurfaced. You know, unfortunately for him, he had no idea at the time that he was going to play <laughs> an arrowhead in the AFC Championship game. That quote was back in October. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Chiefs fans are going to use anything they can to, for extra motivation. So I expect them to break the, the record for uh, their own record for being the loudest stadium <laughs> this Sunday. It's going to be rocking. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, and also the fact that Orlando Brown Jr. got hurt right before the game, Then Lucas yeah, Nying. had
2: to play left tackle out of position.
1: Yeah. And Lucas name blows his knee out in six plays. There was yeah. that. That was just a wild day, man. I think we both agree on that. And I think this is going to be significantly different, but in, in matchup to matchups, just a little couple, couple more details here to better understand your stance on this game. Um, the, the, the Bengals coming into this one have not been very impressive in the playoffs on the, on the offense. Joe Burrow is completing a lot of his passes. He's completing 75%, but he only has two touchdowns and one interception. And if you saw that game against the Titans, again, a very good front seven, maybe the best in football. They sacked them nine times. And now I know the majority of those were on uh, the Bengals' offensive line, but Joe Burrow had a problem with not getting the ball out of his hands quick. And maybe it was scheme, maybe it was his decision-making, but what was worrisome, if I'm a Bengals fan, is the fact that the coaching staff was backing that up. They're like, oh, it doesn't phase Joe Burrow. Man, everybody's got a hit count, and eventually you keep getting hit, 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 your body's going to break down. I don't care if he's only 25 years old. Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark, these guys can make your day a little hell. And I think that that offensive line is going to be a real problem in this game, especially when everything in a loud crowd road environment, you're going to have to have your timing in place. And if they don't have their timing in place, if they don't have cohesion, I really think that the Bengals offense is going to struggle in this one because to that point, outside of a dead dead ball touchdown that they were given by the from the Raiders, if it wasn't for that... The Bengals have back-to-back 19-point games. I mean, they had to kick a field goal at the end of the game to beat the Titans. The Titans gave them three extra possessions on Tannehill, who I like to call Ryan Tannehill, no, in the playoffs. He gave them three extra possessions with the interceptions, and they still couldn't eclipse 20 points. Mark, why am I supposed to believe that this is gonna be some sort of shootout, even though I know Joe Burrow is great, Jamar Chase is amazing, but with all those things considered and how bad they've looked at times and in in, 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 on the offense on the postseason, why am I supposed to believe they're going to come in here and drop 35 in order to win this game against the Chiefs?
2: Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. And like you said about the sacks, if they don't fix the offensive line, man, we may be looking at an Andrew Luck situation here. I mean, that's why he, part of the reason why he retired so young, man. He kept getting hit so much. and He was like, I, I have a bigger life than football, man. Like, yeah. You know, so yeah, that's definitely a problem. And yeah, they haven't looked impressive at all. I mean, it took three interceptions for Tannehill and they still needed a game winning field goal to win that game. I mean, if your offense is that great and you get three extra possessions, you should you should have ran away with that game. It shouldn't even been close. And then you barely beat the Raiders. A team the Chiefs have dominated twice. And you know, that defense, I mean, it's not great at all. It's it's okay. It's, You know, Max Crosby's really good, but their secondaries definitely leaves less to be desired uh, in in, uh, Las Vegas. So, I mean, yeah, I think the playoffs is just a different story, and we're seeing that. And, yes, they have gotten by, but by the skin of their teeth. But now they're facing the top dogs in the AFC for the fourth straight time at home in Arrowhead. And now you got guys on TV saying they're taking Joe Burrow (laughs) over Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) It just never ends, man. Every week, it's this new guy that's better than Patrick Mahomes. So we know Patrick sees everything. And, you know, when things get grim, you know, he turns into the Grim Reaper. So, I mean, but I don't think in this game, it's not even going to be grim. I think the Chiefs are going to run all over him. I really do, man. I don't think it's going to be close. Like I don't know if you asked for my score prediction yet, so I'm going to save it, but I think it's going to be ugly.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to ask it, but I, I don't know if you want to wait or anything out of respect to what you do on all your platforms. But Bro, I definitely
2: – I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you when you want me to – I'll give it to you.
1: Drop it. She's forty-five, twenty-four. That's what I'm talking about. See, Mark knows what he's doing, man. This is why <laughs> this is why we have Mark on our show, and this is why I respect the hell of what he does. He just knows things. He just he gets it. He understands the concept here of reality. But just a couple more questions. I know I keep saying that, but man, I just there's so much rolling here, Mark, because we love having you on here, man. But I know you're busy. So, Travis Kelsey was four yards away last week against the Bills from tying Jerry Rice for the more, most 100-yard games in the postseason. Do you see that changing this week? Do you see him tying Jerry Rice against the Bengals? Hmm.
2: Ah, oh, man. I'm going to say no. I think he saves it for the Super Bowl. Ooh. I think he saves it for the Super Bowl. I think he'll get slightly under 100 yards this game. I think this game will be more of a kind of spread it around type game for everybody else. I can see the Bengals trying to zero in on him and kind of chip him at the line and get physical with him. But I think this could be a game where you see like McCole Hardman and Pringle and, you know, Tyreek Hill. He'll have his moment as well. And I think uh, Jerick McKinnon, too, man. I think him out the backfield has really been a new dynamic to the Chiefs offense that teams aren't accounting for yet. So you don't have enough film on it. I mean, it's only been two games of feeling. Yeah. McKinnon, really, as a Chief. So I think that's still something that they can exploit uh ahead for this game. And even Clyde looked pretty good. He looked pretty fresh. So I don't think it's going to be a big Kelsey game, per se, but I do think he will get a touchdown and have, like, 80 yards, still have a really good game. But I'm not sure he'll crack 100. I'm not sure about that.
1: Uh You mentioned Nicole Hardman. That's actually the next guy I want to ask you about because I feel that McCole has – not taking the next step, but has taken the next leap. He has changed, and I'm talking about even from midseason this season. He he looks like a completely different player, and I think to his credit, the Chiefs have finally figured out a way to use him correctly. I think that they're using him in the short screen, intermediate passes, uh, jet sweeps, things like that to let his legs create what he can do with his skill set. Are, are you a believer of McCall Horman? Do you think this is a guy that the Chiefs are finally saying, okay, We found his niche. This is what we want him to be. Or do you think that he could take it the next step and become that premier wide receiver too? Or do you think this is more of what he is?
2: I would lean to this is more of what he is at this point. I mean, but he's still a young and People forget. And I'm not saying he's going to be Tyreek Hill. But Tyreek Hill was kind of like this guy early in his career. People forget. He was just like a kind of a gadget guy, a return specialist. He didn't turn into this like refined route runner into like the past what four years yeah but he started off as kind of like that jet sweep screen guy use him on punt and kick returns type thing so i mean if you keep him around Tyreek hill who experienced this situation you know if he can keep learning from him and stay around him who knows what he can turn into i think next year will be like the de- determining factor to see if he's going to be a legit wide receiver or is he just going to be like this jet sweep guy or not so i'll give him till next year but right now, I like the role that he's in. I think it makes sense, obviously. Uh, he's very, very fast. They're taking advantage of his uh, mismatches because, like you, like I said, you have to account for Tyreek and Kelsey so much, you can't guard everybody. So, you you know, it leaves Pringle open. It leaves uh, McCall Harmon open and Jarek McKinnon open. So I like the role that he's in right now. I think he's accepting it. But I think he obviously
1: wants to be more than this moving forward, too. We give a lot of credit to Andy Reid here. And I'm one of these people that although I am very critical on him I do criticize him for some of the decision-making he goes with sometimes, but there's no question about it This man has been consistently great throughout his career and now has taken it to another level with having finally a great quarterback in Patrick Mahomes I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment here So you can reel me back in mark if I'm being a little too hyperbolic or a little too excited here but we can't ignore what he's doing now that he finally has a great head, uh, quarterback like Tom Brady was with Belichick and how Belichick, who had a sixty nine and seventy six record to this point without Brady, but was called the goat, the greatest coach ever during the Brady era. If. And when Andy Reid wins his second Super Bowl here with Patrick Mahomes in in a three-year span and has had the most playoff uh, games, wins, and then Super Bowl appearances and wins in a four-year span over anybody else, including Belichick, is it wrong for me to consider that Andy Reid is now the best coach in the NFL? At this current moment of all time. I'm talking about right now because right now he's fifth all-time in in, in total wins and if he wins the Super Bowl this year He would move to number two all-time in playoff wins So I think historically he is climbing that chart and I think he has a real shot at it But right now in this current time if let's say we're it's February 12th 13th And we're looking at Andy Reid as a two-time Super Bowl champion has hosted four straight AFC championships All the other accolades all the other wins together. What would you say?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you could say that right now, even without the second championship, that he's the best coach in the league at this current moment. But if he gets that second ring, I think that kind of stamps it. I think it's not even a debate at that point. But I think right now I would consider him the best coach in the league. Like you said, you mentioned the stats, man. You're the stats guy, man. I love it, man. <laughs> you always have all the stats, man. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny that over the past four years. How can you argue that? And like you said, people will stamp Belichick as the GOAT coach. But he had the GOAT quarterback, you know, so it's like you can't penalize uh, Andy Reid for having Patrick Mahomes if you're still going to praise and give Belichick all that credit for having t- Tom Brady. So and not to mention all those great defenses, too, but obviously he's a defensive mastermind, so we'll give him a lot of credit for that as well. But, uh, yeah, I think it's I think he's already the best coach
1: in the league right now. So you have the Chiefs advancing past the Bengals. I think you said 45 to 24, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Who wins the NFC Championship? I got the Rams.
2: I think the Rams are due, man. The Niners have beat them six straight times. But their last meeting was, what, week 18, I think. It was yep. that far. Yeah, it was week 18. And the Rams had a 17-3 to lead in that game. And then Jimmy G came down at the end and had a game-winning drive. So I just think it's finally due for them to get over that hump. You know, Cal Shanahan has been owning Sean McVay. It's in L.A., but it's going to be like a neutral site game because it's going to be a lot of Niners fans there as well. But I don't know, it just feels like it's set up to be Chiefs-Rams. I mean, who wants to really see, outside of Chiefs fans probably, who wants to see Chiefs-Niners again? I mean, I think the public wants to see. I think we wouldn't mind seeing that because we think it would be an easier (laughs) matchup against Jimmy G. But I think the masses, if you don't have a dog in a fight, they want to see Chiefs-Rams. Because obviously we'll be we'll hear a lot about that Monday Night Football game. That was the best game ever until this past Sunday. It's crazy. The Chiefs are a lot involved in the best games ever. A lot, yeah. isn't that crazy? <laughs> <It's strange. laughs> the best games ever has been the Chiefs the past three or four years. Yeah. Uh, who's the common uh, factor in that? Oh, Patrick Mahomes. That's right. It all comes together. What What the <laughs> no, hell, man? Who would yeah. have thought? So we'll be hearing that for the next two weeks about how that was the best Monday Night game of all time. I was actually at that game. It was in L. A. So that was a fun yeah. game to be at. So, I think it's just set up for that. I mean, both teams look at the stars on both sides in that matchup. Yeah. Mahomes, even Stafford, the narrative with Stafford, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, Jalen
1: Ramsey, Aaron OEJ, Donald,
2: OEJ, Ramsey, Donald, Matthew, Chris Jones, <laughs> McVay versus Andy Reid. It's mean, like a Hall of Fame game. <laughs> yeah. Chiefs, Rams, NLA, their home team, NLA. Chiefs going against the Rams, going against the home team in the Super Bowl for two years in a row. Last year, we played Tampa in Tampa Bay. Now you're going to play the Rams in L.A. It's never happened before. Before last year, now it happens two years in a row, and the Chiefs are involved in both of them. <laughs> and we have all the narratives here. For I think it's just it's just meant to happen, man. I really do.
1: It almost feels like it's scripted. It almost yeah. feels like, like someone's writing this stuff out, man. Yeah. That's why when people bring up the, the NFL gods, the football gods, I'm like, man, you know what? Like I'm looking up and like, Man, maybe they're up there somewhere, man, cause this stuff is just sometimes too too good to be true. But, Mark, we're living in it, man. We're living in the golden era of not just Chiefs football, but in my opinion, the golden era of NFL football. And I'm so happy, man, and honored to have you with us to talk about these things. Uh, we consider you a great friend here, man. You're family of the show here. You're always welcome, and we really appreciate your time, man. And I really hope that your prediction for this game comes to fruition because that's an absolute ass-beating. And if they put that on the Bengals, man... I'm just gonna have to high five you from about eighteen hundred miles away, bro.
2: Yeah, I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a party by midway the third quarter. People are gonna be high fiving slamming <laughs> cool. beers and going crazy, man. It's gonna be a party, man. It's gonna be a festival. Yeah. And not to mention, guys, I wanna put this out put this yep. out there for you guys. When the Chiefs win the Super Bowl I will be in Kansas City for the parade. Hell yeah. That's That's what I'm talking about. We got to link up, man. I'm going to be out there. You hit me up. I'll
1: I'll be out there, man. I was out there the last time. I might as well keep this as a tradition. And this time, we'll be making it official, man. We'll actually hang out in person, which I cannot wait for, brother. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right. So that is that is the host of the Mark My Words Sports Podcast, Lakers Nation betting expert and Arrowhead Pride contributor. Please give my guy a follow if you're not already doing it, Mark A. Gunnels. You guys will not regret it. This dude is all about it. This guy knows exactly what he's talking about across the board, not just Chiefs-related stuff. If you're an NBA fan, this guy's got you covered as well. This dude knows what he's talking about, and that's why we have him here on The Spoken Podcast. My guy, Mark, thank you so much, brother. You be good out there. Take care of the family, and we'll talk soon. All right, man, thanks for having me, and we'll chat after the Super Bowl, man. It sounds great, sure. brother. Sounds great, man.
2: Right, and that's right. our
1: guy, Mark Gunnels. Oh, dude, that was so great. I, I know I say this often. I know I say this a lot, and I have to make sure that's uh, uh, un- Yeah, yep. We're good? Okay. Um, I say this all the time. That, you know I are most of the segments we have with people on here I we keep going because the guys we have on the show are people that we genuinely love and care about in real life yeah. Not just because they put great content out there. These are great people uh, But Mark's one of those dudes man that I just I just feel like we, we really like see eye-to-eye in a lot of this stuff Which is why like some of the things he says like some of the things he breaks down on the games I'm like I feel like I'm listening to myself here, which is uh, which is kind of like comforting because a lot of times I'm like, man, people probably think I'm the dumbest like dude out here, but then like a smart person like Mark will say something similar. I'm like, okay, I feel good about myself. It Validates, it validates what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so again, give our guy Mark a, a follow, man. He has an awesome podcast himself. This dude, he, he really, he, he, and when it comes to betting stuff, too, I know Trevor, you're big on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mark is nails, man. That, he's nails on his betting odds and th- things he puts out there. Like people are constantly like, giving him credit on there as well. So shout out to Mark. Give him a follow. And we'll definitely be linking up after the Super Bowl because I cannot wait to be talking more football with our guy Mark. And then he's going to come back on here and talk some NBA in April and May when the playoffs start kicking off. But Trevor, oh, yeah. let's 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 get right to the thick of it when it comes to this particular matchup, Chiefs versus Bengals. Our guy Mark alluded to a lot of what took place. And I and I don't want to bring up too much of week seventeen because a lot like the Bills game, even though that was months and months before the Chiefs Bills rematch. I still think that there's there's some sort of a relevance that comes to these games because we all know the playoffs are so much different. And not just that, we're talking about, again, the Chiefs are healthier this time around because they'll actually have their left tackle. Joe Tooney won't be moving from left guard to left tackle, even though he played well. And it won't be in Cincinnati this time. And, and, and the biggest factor of it all is what we talked about with Mark, and Mark said it himself, that, that officials do play a part. They really can't dictate the outcome of games. We've seen it throughout history. I hate as when people say, don't blame time. the refs. No, I can blame the refs when they fuck a team over. Uh. They can, and they have. And, and the Chiefs got fucked over in this game. So they don't have Ron Torbert calling this game as a replacement ref last second for whatever reason uh, Hussey was out of the, for this game. I don't know why. I think it may have been COVID-related. The fact is, the Chiefs are going to have the least, the 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 the, the team, the, uh, the official team that is 17th. Of 17 uh, uh, official teams that put out penalties this year, they ranked dead last in penalties. So we are getting, I believe it's um, I forget the uh, Ninovic, Rob uh, Ninovic, as the official uh, umpire in this game, and that is exactly what this matchup deserves. Because one thing, man, that we saw in the Bills-Chiefs game is the refs didn't get in the way. Hussey had an incredible game. Him and his crew were incredible. There weren't horrible calls and no calls. like They let the players dictate it. And that didn't happen in Week 17 between the Chiefs and Bengals. Right. The first half, the Chiefs only had three penalties. In the second half alone, they had seven. And, and not just that they had seven penalties. They had, like Mark, Mark alluded to, they had six penalties that gave the Bengals first downs and on four scoring drives in the second half alone the Bengals had got got penalties on the Chiefs that were on stops on third and fourth downs mm-hmm. so the Chiefs can never get back into rhythm that's why the offense only had three possessions or uh, yeah three three possessions with three points in that second half because they never got a chance to really get going on offense in the second half and to the to the credit outside of the officiating Tyreek Hill dropped a ball that went 75 yards in the air from Patrick Mahomes from from seam to seam from hash to hash. I mean, hit that was one right greatest chest. throws I've ever seen. Right in the chest. And hit him right in the freaking numbers, man. Yeah. So Ty- Travis Kelsey had a big drop. The Chiefs had some miscues. But miscues should be the reason you lose a game, not because of horrific officiating. So that's the only thing I really want to bring up in this matchup. Because, again, the Chiefs had 27 offensive plays in the second half. That's only two more plays than what they had in the first quarter. So, th- th- there, there was there was rhythm and balance. There was a lot of things the Chiefs were going up against. It felt like a handicap match. Trevor, we watched this game together, and I just don't think that's going to factor into this one. And again, as I talked about with, with, with Mark, when it came to what we've seen from both these teams in the playoffs as it stands, I'm not impressed by the Bengals. I think the only reason the Bengals are here right now is because of the road they've had. Now, I did pick the Raiders. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the Raiders were some scrub team. I believe the Raiders are going to win that game and the Raiders had a chance to win that game. Yeah. But outside of a I dead yeah, outside of a dead ball penalty that should have stopped that touchdown from happening, the Bengals have back-to-back playoff games of not scoring 20 points. And the Titans game to me is the most revealing one as to why I feel so damn good about this matchup. Because again, the Titans came out there and you can look at this team and just think what the hell were they thinking on so many different regards? Because they had a week off in the bye. They're throwing Derrick Henry out there and they're trying to utilize him like he's had 10 straight weeks of football to get ready back and back into shape. And he clearly wasn't ready. He wasn't horrible. But you could tell, clearly tell he was not ready for that game at that magnitude. The energy was off. Things of that nature. But the Titans... Absolutely dominated the Bengals at the line of scrimmage in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow was terrible at times that game, and his offensive line was. It looked like it looked like they took the Chiefs' 2020 offensive line in the Super Bowl and put it in that game for the Bengals. That's how bad they looked. And, and all credit to the Titans' front seven, but let's be real, Trevor. We both would agree on this. Mm-hmm. The Titans lost that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bengals didn't win that yeah, game. I
0: agree
1: with that. I mean, they, they, like we talked about, they had... Mark said it. They had to kick a field goal at the end of the game just to win that game. And they were... The Titans showed nothing on offense to show us that, oh, they're going to win this game. It never felt like that. They were the home team. They had the better defense in this game. And they still couldn't capitalize. Ryan Tannehill was horrible. If they even just had a capable quarterback, like if Derek Carr was on the Titans in that game, Titans win. win. So I have to look at this and go, okay, how am I going to convince myself that since Week 17's game, The Bengals have not only scored, not not only failed to score more than 26 in a game, but are averaging 20 points per game since week 17, right? They've had, what, three games since then? The Chiefs, since week 17, have not had a game where they've scored under 28 and are averaging 37 points per game since then. And like we talked about, back to back 42 point games at home. Please explain to me, Trevor, how I'm supposed to look at this matchup and say, okay. Patrick Mahomes, who's completing 76% of his passes, averages 391 yards per game with nine total touchdowns and one interception with a 132 quarterback rating, is going to lose this game at home in the AFC Championship. Because as as memory serves me correctly, Trevor, the only time the Chiefs have lost in the AFC Championship is when they faced the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL to this point, and D Ford lined up offside on an interception, a game deciding interception. Yep. They would have sent the Chiefs into the Super Bowl. We'd be looking at four straight Super Bowl appearances. Not four AFC Championship appearances. Four straight Super Bowl appearances. How am I supposed to convince myself that a team that has that inept of an offensive line, a banged-up front seven with uh, uh, Hendrickson, who's going to play, but he's banged up, Sample might miss this game, Joby's already going to be out, how am I supposed to convince myself that team is going to come in here and outperform Patrick Mahomes and this team? Because you're going to have to score... 34 to 35 points in this game just to have a chance because the only playoff losses that Patrick Holmes has, which is two, all the teams had to score over 30 points to beat them. Now, I'm not sitting here saying the Super Bowl was close, but we all know there was context to that game. The Patriots had to score 37 in overtime to beat the Chiefs in the 2018 AFC Championship. <laughs> Trevor, I, I, I don't want to disrespect the Bengals here because they have earned it. They've gotten here. They've scraped by and done enough to get here. I don't see a scenario, Trevor, where not only do the Bengals win this game, I don't think this is going to be close. Because the crowd noise is going to be a factor. And with an offensive line as bad as the Bengals are, they're not going to be able to control the game. They're not going to be able to... Joe Nixon, over the last month, is averaging 55 yards on the ground. Joe Mixon has not been very effective in the run game. And with that bad offensive line against this motivated front seven that just came off this humongous win at home against a team that was their number one worthy opponent in the playoffs, not in the AFC, the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They took that team down. And I'm supposed to believe this Bengals team, who had a scrape-by against the Titans who were frauds, I'd said were frauds, and the Raiders, who were probably, outside of the Steelers, the worst team in the playoffs, who had an interim head coach and a very faulty team as a whole, You had to scrape by and beat those teams on last-second plays. I don't see a scenario, Trevor, where this is going to be much of a game. I know they're trying to push it that way because Joe Burrow's the truth, and he is, and he's great, and Jordan Chase is unbelievable. That's not enough, Trev. It's not enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the last four AFC Championship games matchups have been Patriots, Titans, Bills, and now the Bengals. Four different teams, four different years. The Chiefs have been there every single year. Yes. yeah. Yep. So the Chiefs are the team that are expected to be here. The Bills are happy to be here, right? So I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on why we should be giving the team that's happy to be here and it was a surprise team over the team that everyone all year long, for the most part, expected the Chiefs to be here. Anyone who's you know, familiar with the game and has you know, expectations, us ourselves has the expectations of being to the Super Bowl, let alone the AFC Championship game. Four straight years hosting it. Four straight years. So yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not big on all this hype on Joe Burrow. Granted, I know he's had he's had big blow up games, but he's very inconsistent. He's been very inconsistent this year. Yes, they put up very big games. He's had that one 500 plus yard passing game and like five touchdowns. Uh, what week 16 or something like that? Week yeah, I think the game before us, he had that big blow up game. Cool man. Like I, I this, I'm with you. I don't think I don't think this this Bengals team has convinced anyone. I mean, any rational person who's really breaking down the barrier. I mean, I know the national media wants to just overglorify and granted he, he's probably comeback player of the year after coming off that major injury between him and Dak, um, but I mean, listen, the Titans, the Raiders forced them to play their kind of game, and the Raiders sh- damn near should have won that game. Went down to the last play. The Titans forced them that offense to play down to their game. They slowed it down and they forced them to play. There's a trend there. The Raiders have a good defensive line, and they get they develop they, they they generate good pressure. The Titans probably have the best defensive line this year in generating pressure. The Chiefs, if we generate pressure and we get a handful of sacks, this game is an absolute blowout because the difference between us and the, the Titans and the Raiders is our offense is probably the best offense left in this in the playoff run here. All right, and has been. I mean, statistically, have been the best offense in the playoffs since it started. Yeah, that's the difference maker. Mahomes is the difference maker. I mean, if our defense is playing a semblance of what we have been, you know, in the past before the season, and I know, I know we've been allowing points recently, but listen, man, I don't. I just don't see a scenario, and, I, and I'm a very unbiased person. Um, I like to be calculated with my decisions how I think games are going to go. I can't see where we don't win by double digits here. I just can't, especially the way we're rolling, especially with the momentum that we just, you know – And to to quote the late, you know, uh, great Therese Paler, Mahomes has been playing over my my dead body football, man. Period. Mahomes is not going to go out there and let Burrow beat him again. I think there was a stat. I don't know if you watched the latest franchise episode. It was incredible. (laughs) Mitchell just killed it, man. It was so good. I recommend everyone go watch it. Mitch is the man. Um, He talked about the stat where no one in one single season has beat uh, uh, the Chiefs twice. In Arrowhead. Well, and regulation, as, in regulation, the Patriots did beat them in 2018. Well, yeah, I'm saying, yeah. but yeah, as far as going to Arrowhead, beating them twice. It, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. so that's never happened. Yes. That's incredible, man. And that's been with all these other quarterbacks, and over all these years, we've had mediocre teams and good offenses, bad defenses, good defense, bad offenses. Now we have Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you add that into the element of already having this home, because that, 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 that stat is huge on home field advantage. Yeah. And with that comment coming, even whether it was directed towards the Chiefs or not, which it wasn't, it was Joe Burrow talking about, you know, the crowd noise, you know, college compared to the NFL, whatever. Us as fans using that as fuel, this this team using that as fuel, Patrick Mahomes, all of our guys in the locker room seeing the national media putting Burrow with the advantage at quarterback over Patrick Mahomes is the most laughable shit. But I mean, if you're going to, if you're the national media and, and a lot of fans across the board here are going to want to give the Chiefs any kind of chip, any kind of extra momentum, bulletin material going into this game, good luck to anyone who's in the opposition. Joe Burrow, uh, look, I-, I respect Joe Burrow. He's fun to watch. He's a talented guy. He doesn't scare me. Yeah. He just doesn't. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson at times scared me, right? Josh Allen scares me sometimes because of everything he can do. Burrow, Burrow- uh, granted, look, he's here. He's here in this game. But he's not a guy that like has these, like, Intangibles that scare me. He's surrounded by good players, a good, uh, young coach that's offensive, offensive offensive-minded coach, and they've done well. This defense is, I think, a little underrated. I think that defense is. They're seventeenth in the league. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're good defense. But as far as situational football, they've been good. They made a good defense play against. Granted, it was Tannehill, and a banged up uh, Derrick Henry. Um, I just think they're outmatched here. I just think the Chiefs are a better team uh, on, on, on all levels. I think we're better quarterback even though the national media wants to tell you otherwise I think we're better far I think we're better even at weapons and national media wants to tell you otherwise Um, especially with the emergence of Pringle and Nicole Harmon how they've been playing Jared McKinnon yeah yeah so I mean Clyde was really good last week right average 8.6 yards per carry the the, the coaching difference the experience is what comes into play here the most if anything if any if any X factor is 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 the biggest of all it's the experience here like I said I'll go right back to what I started with here the Chiefs were the team expected to be here the Bengals are happy to be here. This is a surprise. You know, This was some people's dark horse team, and they've made it. Kudos to them. But I, I just don't. I, like I said, I've played this scenario out of my mind. I've done the, the Madden simulation, <clears throat> the Trevor simulation in my brain over and over again and trying to calculate how I think this game would go. If, it, if it's, it's a tight game, I'm giving the edge to the Chiefs. If it's a, if it's a shootout, I'm giving the edge to the Chiefs. We just proved that against the better possibly the better quarterback in my mind against the better team clearly the better team right yeah if so not the, the better one team, defense yeah. in the yeah. league right so all these all these things 13 fucking seconds right you know we overcame all those things so i mean i would like yeah i would like like you said i would like to know where <clears throat> anyone thinks that like what how this game goes and what way would the bingles straight up beat the chiefs
1: yeah because can the bingles and by the way i <laughs> love everything you just said that was a great take um how how could the Bengals, because it's gonna it's gonna take what the Bills did and some more yeah. to beat this Chiefs team. So are we really gonna sit here and say with all conviction and certainty that the Bengals can do what the the Bills just did? Yeah. No. Right. I, I don't believe that. Right. Because the Bills are the better team, and right now Josh Allen's the better quarterback. Joe Burrow is really good. Yes. I really, really enjoy watching. Football. Yes. He's not better than Josh Allen right now. No, I don't no, care what anybody no, says. No, he's not. He's and not. Josh Allen's had a damn near back to back perfect performance. Yeah. And the Chiefs still beat him. <clears throat> and that's all I'm trying to say here. And again, not to bring back the last matchup, but there are some relevances to it. Yeah. Just think about this. In that game, the Chiefs at the at half were up twenty eight to seventeen despite some mistakes, injuries, some bad decision making, things of that nature. They're up eleven points in that game. The Chiefs had not one, but two different 14-point leads in that game. Do you know that? Two different 14-point leads. And in the red zone, the Chiefs were 3-for-3 on touchdowns. So it was no coincidence to me, and I'm not trying to say the fix was in or anything like that, but... Oh, Literally, almost every single bad call in that game went the Bengals' favor, especially in the second half. So it's no mystery to me that the Chiefs, who scored 28 first-half points, only got three points in that second half because all of the sudden, you saw these officials... Pushing, literally pushing the Bengals down the field. Because the Bengals weren't playing great offense early. Was Jamar Chase cooking? Yes. But it was also a schematic error on Spags' side. Jamar Chase had an historic day, and I'm going to give him all third, the credit.
0: The third and 27 was unexpected. But
1: what in the living hell was Spags doing? I don't think that Spags is going to replicate that, no. d- that defense. I don't think they're going to... If there's a... Let's say in this game, I bet this happens. There's going to be a scenario where the Bengals have a third and 14. You're not going to see Spags doing an all-out blitz. I don't see that happening. He's going to play a cover, 2 We're going to get there before. four. Because I, I think the reason why we're seeing the Bengals struggle on offense now in the playoffs is not just because they're facing tougher competition per se, but it's also the fact that I'm starting to see defenses playing the, their offense like Defenses have been playing the Chiefs offense, because what do the Bengals do that's a lot like the Chiefs offense? Yep. Big 50 yardish touchdowns, right? They have these Michelle big, huge defenses. throws, yeah. So what did you see the Titans do? Exactly. They were sending four, because their four can get to you, especially yep. against that bad offensive line, and they were playing cover two. And it made Joe struggle. He wasn't finding all the easy open T. Higgins's Tyler Boyds, J- Jamar Chase. In fact, Jamar Chase hasn't scored in the playoffs yet. Did you know that either? Yeah, like, it hasn't been very good. That's what I'm saying. Because defenses are finally saying, uh-uh, you're not beating us on these 65-yard yeah. throws you're anymore. Here. Yes, Yeah. exactly. So now, what the because what the what the, 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 uh, the Spags defense does have the cover two in their arsenal. Greg Cosell was talking about that this week, about how he knows that Spags can run cover two all the time if he really wanted to. And especially now that Tyron Matthew will be back in yeah, this game, that's, that's going to be humongous. Now, what the Chiefs need to do on the defensive side is keep it very simple. You play that, you play that coverage like we talked about the cover two coverage press man on Jamar make somebody get physical with him at the line of scrimmage because again officiating is not going to be one-sided in this game it's going to be very down the middle and that is a significant
0: Fitton Fitton being back is huge too. Fitton's going to be huge yes thank you for bringing
1: him up because I didn't even think about that he's an aggressive guy you play the cover two and you let Chris Jones Melvin Ingram and Frank Clark dominate the line of scrimmage because in this matchup
0: edge edge rushers are going to be huge there is
1: no excuse in the world for Chris Jones not to have a couple sacks in this game he should be in that backfield. Every other snap, yeah. straight up. Unless Joe Burrow does some quick slants and stuff like that, which isn't the Bengals' offense. They don't like to play quick. They like to look for the downfield shots. Unless they change up everything schematically, literally everything favors the Chiefs in this matchup, yeah. both on defense and in offense. Because although the Bengals I mean, have... to us. <laughs> well, not, I'm just not looking... Not everybody. I, I know I neglect context a lot, but, <laughs> you know, on the defensive side, you gave them credit, Trevor. The, 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 <coughs> the Bengals' defense is a good defense, uh-huh. but that's when they were healthy. Yeah. They're not healthy. They're missing multiple starters on their defense, especially in their front, fo- their front four of their defensive line. They don't. Cam Sample's gonna be banged up in this one, and Joby has been a <laughs> damn good player for them. He's out, and Hendrickson, their best pass rusher, is banged up. So the Chiefs already have a great offensive line. Patrick Mahomes is playing his best football of his career. Again, show me the disadvantage the Chiefs have and show me the advantage the Bengals had, and maybe we can build on this being a game. I, Dude, Trevor, I'm telling you. I, You guys saw me how fired up I was last week. Uh, how confident I was the Chiefs were going to win that Bills game. Even when the Chiefs only had 13 seconds, I was in shock that happened, but I never sat there and said, Chiefs are losing this game. Because I knew Patrick had time. They had three timeouts with 13 seconds. I still believe the Chiefs were getting in a field goal range. And I knew once we won the coin toss, the Chiefs were winning the game. This... As at a whole new level of confidence, because I don't mean to disrespect the Bengals here, Trevor, yeah. but that was the AFC Championship. In fact, that might end up being the Super Bowl, and I'm not. Yeah. Look, the not Rams be are great. The Rams are great, and they might even get there, Trevor. And, and and I know we're gonna have our predictions in just a couple minutes. But if the, let's say the let's say the Chiefs get the 49ers, as I predicted. Mm-hmm. Would you not agree with me, Trevor, that there is a better game between the Bills and the Chiefs? And that's more of a formidable matchup than the 49ers and Chiefs. No, no disrespect to the 49ers, but the Bills are the better team with the better quarterback, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. You would agree, yeah, right? Yes. Okay, so why would Those I sit here? the two best
0: teams in the, in the playoffs right
1: <laughs> Yes, there. so why would I sit here for these next two weeks? And yes, I'm looking mm-hmm. in the camera and telling you for the next two weeks because the Chiefs will be playing in the Super Bowl. Why would I sit here and believe that this Chiefs team is going to falter to any any of these three remaining teams? Because I don't see it, Trevor. I told you guys from the very beginning of the year. I know you were in lockstep with me. Eddie was in, the, in lockstep with me. We all three picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. But this is the best team in the history of the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, this, this is the team. Best, this is the best Patrick Mahomes because he's adjusted and, and yeah. gotten better in his weak points. You 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 bringing that up about the midseason thing where
1: where these defenses showed their cards too quickly. Yep. It gave yeah it gave Pat, Patrick Mahomes an opportunity to say you know what. Let's figure this out. And again, the Bills game showing that Patrick Holmes didn't throw the ball one time of twenty yards in the air, the first time ever in his Shredding career. And still. In over sixty-five games of his career, he's never done that. And he went out there and had the greatest game of his
0: career. You know what? You know what's you know what's I haven't heard a lot of people mention this or anybody really mention this, but you know what's great about that? How Patrick Mahomes has learned to play a little more underneath offense instead of having to, you know, have the big explosive play. It's made us more efficient in the red zone. Yeah. Because we're playing more short offense, quicker off, quicker outs and things like that. So we're kind of playing like it's always like tight, right? Because they're taking the the big shots away. So once we get into the red zone, we're already kind of playing that way, right? So it's made us more efficient, like the play the touchdown to Pringle, the first touch score against the Bills. Those kind of plays. That was like a that was that's the kind of offense we've been playing. So it's made us more simultaneously efficient in the red zone because we're right. kind of playing tight football all the way down the entirety of the drive. Right. So it's just been yeah, man. In this game, man. I just don't. Look, I mean, I would put Stefan Diggs and Jamar Chase in similar tier, right? They're both very explosive, very... They get a lot of targets, get a lot of volume. They're incredible route yeah. runners. They're very athletic. Stefan Diggs had seven receiving yards against us, man. And maybe the best game ever. biggest One of the biggest shootouts in, in playoff history. He had seven yards. Seven. You know what I mean? So, he caught that two-point conversion, I think. So, I mean, but outside of that, he was a ghost. He wasn't, he wasn't... The spags shut him down. Yeah. Didn't even let him really allow him to be an option. So, I mean, if we can... Schematically, you know, do something like that against Jamar, and force T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and and maybe you know Joe Mixon to be a, more of a factor. Fine, but if you take that guy away and we we do it, we give him a similar treatment that we gave to Stephon Diggs, and our guys are getting after Joe Burrow. It's gonna be a long day for Joey Cool, man. I'm just saying. So this matchup and me for me, I just I, I don't really see a, a real way that the, the Bengals go out there and just straight up beat the Chiefs because so many external factors had to take place for them to beat us in the regular season. Things that were out of their control. Yeah. Um incredible grabs from Jamar Chase nonetheless, I get it. Uh, but our defense was there. Those were 50-50 balls and Jamar Chase has happened to come down with a lot of them. Um you know, if, if those things break our way, we have a different result. You know, if certain calls weren't called, if, if if you know, bad horse collar calls weren't called and and you know, stupid holding calls on on kick returns weren't called, it's a different game, you know. A lot of external factors help them give. I mean, in, in, his, in Joe Bur- Burrow's presser, you know, the first thing he talked about was that they got calls. So I just think this is going to be a different environment. I know he's talking about he's dealt with crowd, crowd noise, He's played in big games, which he has. But this is the biggest of the biggest right here, man. It's the AFC Championship game in Arrowhead. Something Tom Brady really didn't even overcome. If we're being honest, he he lucked out with the back with the you know um, an offsides call. So. If the, if the great Tom Brady damn near failed and should have failed, but we get, we gifted him one, I I'm I'm putting money on Patrick Mahomes to thrive in that. And to
1: that point, that was a Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs team that was much younger in the game. Yep. Like, you, you put this Chiefs team yep. against that Patriots team, That the Chiefs win that we're game by seasoned, 25 points. at this point. Yeah, the Chiefs smoke that Patriots team. We got, we got team.
0: Kelsey and, and, and Patrick Holmes was out there calling the shot and <laughs> icing a game. It's, it's
1: different. Yeah, there's levels to this, man. The the Chiefs back then to the Chiefs today with the defense comparisons is not even close. Patrick Holmes' playoff experience. Melvin no, Ingram instead of D pa, Ford. Patrick Holmes had literally one playoff game experience before that Patriots game. Yep. So it's, it's, it's much different these days around. And like you said, Trevor, the, the Bengals are happy to be here. They didn't expect to be here they honestly probably shouldn't be here just the way seedings fell i think if they would have had to play the bills in the first or second round they would have got smoked i think the bills would have absolutely obliterated the bingles but they did luck out with an easier uh, uh field to where they're at now they got here but i think this is where it's going to end I-, I think the chiefs are going to win this game by multiple touchdowns and i i think I- like mark said i think by the third quarter we're sitting here going all right man can't wait for this next game because we're about to see who the Chiefs are going to play in the Super Bowl. I really think that, that this is how it's going to go. The Chiefs are really going to have to beat themselves because there's going to be better officiating. It's going to be at home. <clears throat> yeah. and, and and the noise is going to be a massive factor. No doubt. Whether Burrow meant it directly or even said it, and jest or anything like that. Us Chiefs fans, we're so damn petty because we see nothing but disrespect from the national media. We're always ready to defend our guys. It's the Midwest, man. It's going to be electric. It's going to be absolutely electric, man. As my guy Arrowhead Tom from Kingdom Says Podcast said, uh, it's going to be white nuclear hot. So I really (laughs) like the way he put that. It's going to be white nuclear hot. I've never heard that one before. But uh, my key players to this game, it's very much chalk, if you will. Uh, to me, on the defensive side, it's it's going to be Chris Jones because, like I said just a few minutes ago, he has zero excuse to not dominate in this game. He didn't have a very good game against the Bills, yeah. and you could tell he was very frustrated on the sidelines. He he just he's a he's a he's a guy that just wants to win, but he's also somebody that wants to contribute. And he didn't really put his stamp on that game like he's accustomed to, especially in the playoffs, because he always comes up big in the playoffs when he plays. Um, I think that I think Chris Jones can have multiple sacks in this game. I think Chris Jones is going to go out there and be what we know him to be, which is one of the best uh, pass rushers in this game. And outside of Aaron Donald, there's nobody at his position better than him. And I think he's going to put that potential Hall of Fame stamp onto this game because Chris Jones is very much in lockstep with getting himself up there with the Hall of Famers because when you have playoff success like Chris Jones has already had and will continue to have as long as he's a member of the Chiefs you're gonna get that shine and he's gonna shine bright in this one I I expect him to dominate that offensive line and and make Joe Burrow's day very long and strenuous and on the the offensive side it's no question it's Patrick Mahomes man if Patrick Mahomes plays a B plus game in this one he's going to have 295 yards and 3 touchdowns but I expect an A game I think Patrick Williams is going to have over 400 yards and 5 touchdowns in this game because again if he can put up 42 in back to back weeks against a defense that has TJ Watt who's going to win defensive player of the year Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward if he can do that against that defense put up 35 points in a 2 quarter span and then the next week put up 42 and 552 yards and lead literally he led the entire playoffs and yards in both passing and rushing last week. Do you know that? Oh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Everybody, yeah, yeah. he led in all, 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 an all offensive yards. That's Any what, player, that's
0: what Josh Allen, the, the running right. quarterback.
1: But that's what I'm saying. He yeah. outrushed, granted by one yard, but he still got the still. rushing touchdown. Yeah, yeah. So if Patrick, I'm expecting him to be just as great in this game, if not better, statistically. I think you're going to see a five touchdown passing <laughs> touchdown game from Patrick Mahomes. They're going to make a statement in this one. Because, again, yeah. they overcame the team that spent all offseason to beat them. Yeah. They spent all offseason to go get uh, Russo and add to this team and do those things, and they still failed. They still beat that team. This Bengals team is not a good matchup of the Chiefs, and I think they're going to show it. I'm with Mark, man. I think the Chiefs score in the high 40s in this one. Yeah. I really do. And those are my two key players. Who are yours, Trevor?
0: So, I mean, man, there's it's so easy to go to the defensive line um, in this matchup just because of the, the terrible offensive line um, that the Bengals are which is why I'm going to go to the defensive line. Um, I'm, I'm going. I'm, and the guy that shines, man, in the postseason, say what you want about him during the regular season with, with his health or whatever, the off-field issues, Frank motherfucking Clark. Yeah. Frank the Shark Clark. This is the moment. These are the moments where Frank Clark shows up, makes big plays. He was making big plays. Uh, he was very involved in this past game, getting pressure on on you know on Josh Allen, uh, had some good hits. That damn near forced a fumble on Josh Allen, and he was in the mix on that play. Frank Clark, is, say what you want, man. The guy is so quick off the edge. He's so good at setting the edge. I think he's going to wreak havoc. I, granted, it's going to be a unit. It's, this it's, this unit is going to get after Joe Burrow because that is their glaring weakness. But these are the games where Frank, this is why we brought him onto this roster. This is what he's done in 2019. He was a huge part. The, maybe the biggest part on our defense is made the biggest play in the Super Bowl uh, defensively. So this is where he shines, and this is I, I, I'm a fanboy for him in this in the, in the postseason because this is what this guy does. He's going to make some big plays. I think he's going to force a, a possible force a turnover, fumble, fumble recovery, maybe take it to the crib. Um, I got Frank Clark, man. I love him in these kind of games. These are the big moments. He's, he 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 loves to shine in these moments, and he's a he's a he's a wild man out there. And this is the perfect moment for him to go do have one of those big Frank Clark games. Uh, so I'm going Frank there. Offensively, I'm going to go Clyde. Uh, I think that, I think this is a game where we our our our, uh, our our offensive line is just licking their chops and they just want to go. I think this is a statement game where we we can go. We showed that we can go dual, uh, you know, dual for dual, you know, go toe to toe with Josh Allen and throw touchdown for touchdown. Pat went out there and just was just tossing the ball everywhere. I think this is a game where our offensive line just wants to you know, ten toes to the ground and just pound, pound the rock. Whether it's Clyde, whether it's McKinnon, uh, uh, whether Daryl Williams is playing or not, I think he's at least looking good to go. I think Andy Reid's going to go out there and have a, a, a more, not a, a run heavy game because we don't ever like have many run heavy games. Um, but I can I can see us rushing the ball, you know, twenty five times, um, I, and not even just in the running game. You know, with just drawn up plays where it's just a straight running game, um, power O or whatever, anything like that. But just getting the running backs involved, the passing game. Uh, I think Clyde is just fiending for a big game here. This just feels like one of those games where they're going to expect us to go sling the ball over the place, in which we should and we will. Pat's going to get, Pat's going to throw the ball probably forty times, 35, 40 times at least. Um, but I think this is a game where Clyde has one of those Damien Williams-esque kind of games, and uh, he's going receiving in the receiving game. This is Clyde goes out there And shows why we got him
1: And I think there was a stat Last week that Clyde had a rush For over 20 yards Last week against yes. the Bills That he was the second good. Of his career He looked fresh You know what he, he looked, looked like He had juice You know what he looked like dude He looked like a guy That saw McKinnon Doing what he's been doing yes. And going Oh which I is, need to fight For my job damn it
0: That's why I love him In this matchup I like man, that because, because I just think and Dude this O-line Has been so good At rush, run blocking Yeah, There's been so many And I think this is a game Where we can just Especially say Pat Goes out there and throws uh, A couple touchdowns We're up early Oh, just, Clyde just give it to yeah. Clyde, bro. I think I think this game is where Clyde did proves and, and and makes a statement to why he was drafted in the first round by the Chiefs. This Chiefs, the Chiefs team, Patrick chose him, right? So and I picked him, yeah, I, yeah. So I think this is a, this, this is his moment.
1: Well, let me ask you a question though, because I think that a lot of times what Andy Reid does, and it's very um, on on brand for him with with the run game, is it's a committee driven. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think though that McKinnon's going to still get his touches because McKinnon's been hot? You can't not get especially his in the pass game. game. That's
0: why I said Clyde is is my guy, but the no. running game in general, and not just not just rushing the ball, but getting involved in the passing game. We've seen this. So that's that's one of the marquee things. And Andy Reid's Reed's offense is finding the West Coast offense is finding ways to get the, the you know the, the screen plays, you know yeah. zone, the zone blocking, and you know getting the tight ends downfield blocking upfield, the receivers downfield blocking upfield. It's such an effective way, man. And this secondary, these linebackers and these safeties for the Bengals are just not good enough in my mind to to keep up with the skill set of Clyde and and McKinnon. And then in the short yardage, you know, the third down, third and shorts, you know, Daryl's plan. Yeah. <laughs> Daryl's shown all year. I mean, he had a career year this year. Yeah. He's proven to this year that he's a banger. You know, and he's great in the receiving game too. I just think this is a game where our 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 uh, running backs just completely dominate.
1: And I'm glad you. I'm glad we both uh, picked uh, defensive lineman in this one to be a factor because. If you watch that game in Week 17, the Bengals started off offense very slowly. And yeah. you know why that was? Because the Chiefs were getting pressure. Yeah. And, and and look, I know the secondary has not been great of late. And I know Mike Hughes got absolutely baked in that game against the Bills. I and mean, he was on rollerblades half the time. Um, I know that Charvarius Ward has given up big plays, especially against the Bengals. He got absolutely obliterated against Jamar Chase. I think he was set up for failure, but it still happened. But when you're getting pressure from your front four your secondary looks a lot better than it actually is. And with Tyron Matthew back, I think that you're going to see an exponentially better and more improved secondary. And again, if you and I, let's say we're both right, and Frank Clark and Chris Jones are just back there just picking their teeth with Joe Burrow's cleats.
0: Melvin Andrew
1: too. Is yeah, it. these guys are all getting a pound of flesh. All of a sudden, that secondary's chilling. Yeah. Because Jamar Chase isn't effective, and like you said about Stephon Diggs, was completely out of the game plan. Nice show, yeah, exactly. So, and that was without yeah. Josh Allen getting pressured all the time, without I mean, getting sacked. And, and if
0: anybody in the NFL had a a reason to go off against the Chiefs and get revenge, it was Stephon Diggs. He he made sure he had that that photo op so he can I'll be back here with the whole you know dramatic you know picture of him watching us celebrate. You did shit, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe so, next year. I think this second time around against Jamar Chase in this offense. <laughs> I do expect us still to play a lot of uh, man. I, th- I still think we're going to play a lot of man because that's just who we are as an identity. I think we're going to get a lot of – to get to the quarterback. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of pressure, so I think it will allow us to play man. But I do expect Spags and, and situational um, when things get – you know when there's a, a third and long, a third yeah. and 27. And you know Christ the Bengals sake.
1: will go for fourth down.
0: Yeah, well, I think we're going to mix in some shell. We're going to mix yeah. in some cover too, some, you some know, two, Some stunts. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I trust Spags, man. I know as of late we've we, it's been a struggle. We didn't expect to lose Tyron in that the biggest game of the year uh, against the Bills. That was a blow. So we had to kind of work on things on the fly. And Armani Watts was getting way too many snaps. You know, we weren't predicting that. I think this is a whole different ball.
1: And we're not facing the Chiefs. Aren't facing a dual threat quarterback like you? Like we talked about earlier, he's yes, a very statued quarterback in the pocket. Traditional. We don't yes. have to worry about he's that. Not we, a guy that not, runs. We don't need a spy on right. him. Right. So that's going to help I mean? the defense big time as well. Um, and speaking of front fours and front sevens that are dominant, uh, we have another matchup, guys. The NFC Championship. We're going to give you guys our quick thoughts on this one as well before we get to our final segment of the day. So, look, guys, I, I'm not. I'm not somebody that uh, that wants to sit here and, and, and say that I never change my picks because – you know, context does matter if, if a team is injury-ridden. I had the Ravens facing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. By the
0: way, I want to say that we, I love that me and you, both of our NFC picks, are both battling it yes. out.
1: Yes, and this is what I'm saying. Like, are you and Eddie picked right the Rams, right. yeah, yeah, I picked the the 49ers, yeah. and here we are. So that, this is really like a true testament of what's going to happen. But again, things do change. None of us saw the Bengals in the AFC Championship. Again, I picked the Ravens, yeah. and they were injury-ridden. Things happen. So, of course, my prediction would change. But one I've stood firm with all year long, even when they started out the way they did, was the 49ers and the Chiefs having a rematch in the Super Bowl just from two years ago. Uh, Biggest reason why is because I saw the Niners last time they were healthy... They were the best team in the NFC and they were winning playoff games and getting to a Super Bowl with a below average quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I did think that Trey Lance was going to take the job over, which I still believe would have been the right decision for Shanahan because his offense is absolutely hamstrung by Jimmy Jimmy G's limitations. He has thrown horrific throws throughout the playoffs, but yet they continue to do something that few teams can do. Win on the road. They have beaten the Cowboys on the road, beat the Packers on the road. Two very difficult teams to beat. Two very good home teams. As well, and for them to hold uh, uh, the, the the Cowboys to seven points for the majority of that game, and then turn around, banged up as hell, with Joey Bosa and Fred Warren, two of their best defenders, to go in there all banged up and hold the Packers to ten points in Lambeau yeah. is something that we gotta quit ignoring here. Now, I will say this: the Rams are the better team. But that doesn't matter in this matchup. You know why? Because the Rams are owned by who? The 49ers. I know people are are trying to say, like, oh, that doesn't matter now because this is different. It's the playoffs. Guys, it does matter because these two teams know each other better than anyone. Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay started in Washington together under Jay Gruden. They were they were understudies. They were. I think the Sean McVay was like the tight ends coach, and Kyle Shanahan was the OC. Mm-hmm. Okay, these guys started together. They know each other so damn well. And Shanahan has continued to pour it on against Sean McVay. Nobody owns Sean McVay outside of Kyle Shanahan. Outside of him, Sean McVay owns everybody else. And in fact, Sean McVay was like forty eight and 0 when leading in half in his career. They were up in week eighteen on the on the forty nine ers seventeen to nothing. And they lost they were the first team to ever beat the rams under sean McVay when sean McVay was leading at half so i know sean's gonna downplay and say oh he's not in my head and we're not worried about this and other stuff guys you know it's a little tighter when it comes to this matchup because the niners have been able to do what they've done and now after two humongous wins for the 49ers going into this game it's so fine knowing that if they win this game they will actually have more home fans than the rams would in the super bowl because the niners fans travel so damn well we remember in miami there was a ton of 49ers fans in that game those fans are classic throwbacks dude they they are generational fans the rams they did back in the day but then they moved to st louis and things got kind of weird so those california people decided to take other teams on and now they're back in la and it's still kind of odd they don't really have like this big huge fan base i think that it's going to play a factor I think in this game, you're going to see a lot of 49ers fans are going to come out there juiced. You've seen something about this team. They've actually rallied around Jimmy G, even though he's not been great. In fact, he's not even been good. He has two touchdowns and five interceptions in his career in the playoffs. Not good at all. He hasn't thrown a touchdown yet in in these playoffs, and they're 2-0 in the playoffs on the road as a wildcard team. There's something special about this team, and I... I'm the biggest Matt Stafford guy in the world. You know this, Trevor. For years, I've defended this dude vehemently yeah. and said he just needed a chance. Give him a great team and see what happens. What do you know? One year in, he's in the NFC Championship and has been, outside of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the best player in the playoffs. He has been balling. Dominated the Bucks just a week ago. Dominated... Uh, uh, uh who they face in the first round?
0: Uh, it was the... What did they Guys, you
1: got to help me out here. They, they, whoever they faced, he absolutely obliterated them, too. The fact is, he's not thrown an interception. He's not had a turnover yet. Mm-hmm. Now, they did have four four fumbles in that game against the Bucs, and about let Tom Brady continue his fucking career, which would have drove me nuts. The Rams were beating the shit out of the Buccaneers in Tampa, where Tampa hadn't lost all season. I think there were 6-0, and or I'm sorry, 9-0 and throughout the season, yeah. plus the playoffs. So this is the most, to me, the best matchup that we could have possibly gotten in the NFC Championship. I am so glad this is happening because it favors the team that I'm still picking to win, to get into the Super Bowl and face the Kansas City Chiefs in the rematch that I predicted before the season even began. Debo Samuel is 100% the factor in this one. It's the Cardinals, by the way. Thank you, Cardinals. Absolutely beat the shit out of Kyle Murray. Sit. Yeah, Kyle Murray was horrible in that game. Yeah. Threw a pick six from like the zero yard line under three. It was, it yeah, was bad. Yeah, it was it was real. They kept him in the pocket. He looked so freaking average. Yeah. But Debo Samuel in his career, six games versus the Rams, has 33 catches, has 554 total yards and five touchdowns. That yeah, is insane. That is, I, I said this on the IOV uh, Sports Network uh, this week with my guy Lamar Wallace. Debo Samuel isn't a wide receiver. He's not a running back. He's a weapon.
0: Straight up weapon.
1: He's a weapon. You can't quantify him. You can't put him in a category. He just does it all. He's fluid. He even threw a touchdown this season. Like, it's, he's fluid. Thank you. <laughs> and so, remember what I said last week about why I picked the the, ramp, the Niners over the, over the Packers? Hmm. Because you saw how close that game was back in week three and how there was just things that went wrong for the Niners and they got yeah. it right and they took care of it. They took care of business. They didn't even score a freaking offensive touchdown in Green Bay and won. They win ugly, and they're going to make this game ugly for the Rams, and I think this is where a game where my guy Matt Stafford's going to make a mistake. I think he's going to make a mistake, and the Niners are going to win this game, Trevor. I think it's going to be a close, low-scoring. I think the Rams will play well early on, but there's just going to be mistakes. And when it comes to, like, tight football, who am I trusting more? The Niners who have proven it time and time again win healthy and have been to Super Bowls and back-to-back years win healthy? Yeah. Or the team that's still new, all in, desperate, I get it, but a team that likes to play more of a flashy style of football. I'm taking the Niners because you know this game's gonna be tight because of how well these teams know each other. I think the Rams win a game or Niners win a game where it's like, you know, nineteen to seventeen or twenty-three to twenty-one, something like that. Not gonna be high scoring, but if it's high scoring, Rams are running away with this one. But I'm gonna stick with the Niners.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obviously picking the Rams here because that was my Super Bowl pick. And I, I this is a tough matchup, man, for for the Rams for sure. They for some reason McVay just refuses to adjust and plays his game, and, and uh, kudos to him. He, he's a great offensive mind, and nine times out of ten, he comes out on top when he's playing. You know He's got his guys firing on all cylinders and playing their game the way he wants. Uh, for some reason, when he plays the way he plays and, and has his game plan going the way it's going, the Niners just counter it. The Niners just know how to play them defensively uh, and, and and stifle that, that offense, and they don't allow them to gain momentum in their games. Um, and they don't have to put up a lot of points to beat the Rams because they know how to keep them in check. I think that changes, man. I think that changes. Uh, they beat them six straight times. I Just as I talked about Mahomes having the over-my-dead-body tour here and, and not letting anyone get the best of him and refusing to lose, I think this is that moment where McVay switches some things up and, and adds some new elements to his offense and does some things to catch the Niners off guard. And I don't think the Niners have the offense – um, to keep up with uh, a lead, or to, to chase the Rams offense and, and try to you know, reestablish a lead. I say that, granted, I know that they've done it before, um, but that's when the Niners keep the, the, the pace of the game to what they like, keeping it more of a defensive game. That only works in the Niners' favor. Granted, the Rams' defense is a, the elite as well. That's a great star-studded defense, even more star-studded, honestly, than the, the Niners. Um, but the Niners are a unit um, on both sides. Jimmy G is a game manager 100%, is not special in any way, has no real, off, you know, that pops up the screen talent in any way. He's extremely ventilated. He's Mac Jones, maybe worse. Um, <laughs> you know, so, but it works, right? It, this is a, this is, a, they are absolutely a throwback type of team. Shanahan's uh, running, run blocking scheme and the way he gets running back, the way he finds success in the running game, no matter when you, they are the most. Game script-dependent running game. It doesn't matter if they're down 15 to 20. They run. They're running the ball. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And it works, man. This yeah. team found their way back. Um, they lost a lot. You know, Elijah Mitchell was a bright spot early on in the year. He went down. That that definitely um, was a roadblock because uh, they had to depend on some other guys and, and had a revolving door running backs. But since he's been back, man, the guy is an absolute monster. Debo being in the running game in the red, in the red zone is an absolute monster. It's so hard to stop him. Um, whether it's up the seam, whether it's a, sh- a quick slant, whether it's running out of the straight out of the backfield like a running back, the guy is an absolute weapon. Um, this is a this is a tough one to 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 decide how it's going to go. I just think, I just think the the, the offensive playmakers and McVeigh and Stafford, your guy, I think they find a way to, to to get a lead and never look back. I think they lead the entire game. I don't think the Niners ever have a lead here. I think they're chasing them the whole way. And that only play—that's the only way the Rams are going to win this—is they have to find ways to score. Sure, um, because if they if they don't score and this game's tight, I'm picking the Niners. But I don't see that going this way. I think this is finally the the because McVay got my, got the the Tom Brady thing off his back because he lost him in the, in the in the in the the Super Bowl a couple years back, um, and I think he he, he continues that um, you know getting overcoming certain obstacles that have owned him right. So uh, he lost to Brady, and then he just got his revenge on Brady. He's been absolutely dominated by by Shanahan and the Niners, and I think he finally overcomes it. I think seven time, the seventh time is the charm here. <laughs> um, I just think there's it's, it's only so much times, man. A, a team, I mean, unless you're the Broncos against Chiefs, you know, <laughs> there's only so many times you can beat a team. You know, what I mean, um, and these are two extreme, extremely talented teams on both sides of the football. Um, I'm I'm just picking I'm, I'm picking the Rams to put up, you know, about thirty some points. Not sure exactly what they score he is yet. I don't know. That's a lot. I just think this. I just think the way that they ended the game, the way they put the Bucks away, that was a clutch throw by by, by Stafford to, to Cup. That duo has been damn near unstoppable this year. Um, I think Garoppolo makes some mistakes. I think Aaron Donald makes some plays and forces a turnover. To um, I think I think Garoppolo is going to be the de- a, a, you know a, a detriment to this offense. I think there's going to be some mistakes, um, and especially if they're chasing points, which I'm expecting. Um, and I think the the Rams just score some points and never look back and keep the lead and they take this game.
1: Uh, I don't want to speak for Eddie, but I, I'm almost 100 percent certain he's going to stick with the Rams because I know you both had yeah. the Rams out of the out of the NFC. So uh, we will be posting our predictions uh, tomorrow, as we always do throughout the season. Uh, game day, we post them. So be looking for those on our platforms. If you're not on, if you're on Facebook, join our Facebook group with the Spoken. Uh, you guys can drop whatever you guys want on there. Of course, it's got to stay within uh, respectful guidelines. Obviously, we want to make it you know family friendly for everybody, but we we get a little savage here and there as we mm-hmm. do on this show. And you can follow us on Twitter. You see all the headers on the bottom right there with the Spoken Pod, and on face and on Instagram at the Spoken Podcast. We have one more order of business to get to, fellas, ladies and gentlemen. Trevor, what's it called? Hold this L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of Ls in the world of sports. Whether they're friendly or not friendly, we promise you who is ever holding those Ls in the world of sports deserve those Ls in the world of sports. Trevor Twidwell, I will start with you. Who is holding the L this week?
0: Listen, man. So just on last week's episode, um, I was talking and defending my guy, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I've been a diehard Aaron Rodgers fanboy. Since he started, I've loved his style of play. I've supported him. I've su- I, you know I've backed him up when certain playoff losses I felt weren't on him. Um, there were certain things that went against you know him being in control of the game. But the time has come. Um, I even I'm not like I said alluded to last week's episode. I still said I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen, the best thrower of the football I've ever seen. Um, I'm giving that up now. Patrick Mahomes in my mind is the best quarterback I've ever seen. The best. He's the greatest of all time. He's the most talented Holy passer. Holy shit. He's the most talented passer I've ever guys, seen. Guys, this is breaking news. To hear
1: Trevor <laughs> say these words, I did not know this um, was going to happen just yeah, to let you guys yeah. unscripted.
0: Listen, man. Continue. It, the, the 13 seconds, 10 seconds actually in reality, this is not like I've been holding back. and like, In a sense, I have because, I, I like I said, I'm a fanboy of Aaron Rodgers. I love him. He's not a chief. I know that. I was a big Brett Favre fan as a kid. I just kind of—I I, 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 I can vouch. It transitioned. Vouch. It transitioned into the Aaron Rodgers era, and I, I, I've loved him. I just—I I like him who, who he is. Granted, the off-field stuff, the, the comments, <laughs> and his personality—it's not for everybody. I get that. But as a football player, as a football fan, the way he spins the ball, the way he throws the ball, on off-platform throws, and the way he's just so accurate—his touchdown to interception ratio it is what it is. But he's failed way too much in the postseason. The last this last this last loss was 100 on him. Set only one touchdown scored, and, you know. That, that uh, granted, it's a tough matchup, tough team, tough weather, but that was in your environment, you know. That's that that that's a West Coast team going into you know the frozen tundra, um, and you're expected to win that game. You know, you're the you're the you know the MVP, the coming off the MVP year, and you know you're the one talking the shit. And listen, man, um, you're no longer the greatest to me. You, Patrick Mahomes has taken that from you. Um, and it's, you know, I've, I've been patient with the Patrick Mahomes hype and that's it's not even hype. It's, it's extremely warranted reality at this point. Um, but I've, I've held that my personal belief. I've held that Aaron Rodgers love and support. Um, but he's a failure in the postseason, and it's his fault and there's nothing you can really defend anymore at this point, man. And, uh, Patrick Mahomes is the goat, man. He's just, he's just the goat.
1: We're gonna <laughs> save that. Uh, I'm gonna put that save and recording for for receipts because I want I want everybody to know what Trevor just said. Because he's the goat. He, Trevor really has been the Aaron Rodgers truth. We all we have all appreciated and admired
0: yeah. his talent, but Trevor's I mean, always been the one. And it's funny too, like any any guys that I work with at my job, that know when we have this conversation, I still defend it. I was still defending Aaron Rodgers. Like he's the greatest I've ever seen, guys. The, the best throw of the football I've ever seen. Um, and I love I love Patrick Mahomes, and he's he's he just you know he's got a, far, a long career ahead of him. Patrick Mahomes already surpassed him, man. He's already said this. Uh, not that I needed this past weekend. <laughs> not that it's, it's less about Patrick Mahomes needing to to prove it for me. It's Aaron Rodgers proving that he fails. Yeah, and it sucks. He's still second to me. He still has a near and dear place <laughs> in my heart, but it, it it's changed, right? So Patrick Mahomes is absolutely leapfrog, not because of who Patrick Mahomes is. I know who he is, and I know who he's going to continue to be. It's because Aaron Rodgers failed, and he fell down my ranking. So this is me holding an L for last week defending him still saying that I still think he's the best I've ever seen throwing the football whether he wins or he loses but the 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 failure that I saw against the Niners at home uh just kind of it just is what it is you know I had a I'm very critical of my own thoughts I'm very critical of my own thinking and how I approach things and life in general let alone sports um very um just critical of my own way I approach things and how I see things and uh I've defended him for a long time, but this past one was just enough, man. It was it was the, it was the drawing. It was the line in the sand, and I you know I Straw crossed the it
1: that broke the camel's back.
0: So I'm officially uh, Mahomes is the goat guy. I've never said that, really. I never came out and said that. I think Mahomes is the greatest ever. Um, he's the greatest ever, um, and he's building a resume that's going to be unmatched. Uh, whether you think he's going to get as many Super Bowls as Brady or not, you watch the film. You tell me he tell me he's not better than Tom Brady we can talk about success versus talent, but Mahomes is the greatest talent that's ever touched a football has ever stepped on the gridiron. And I'm 100% admitting that now I'm here, I'm in the club. Hope you guys welcome me. Um, but for me, for Trevor Twidwell, according to the last, <laughs> the last, you know, 30 years, 31 years of my life. And, you know, never admitting that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest to ever do it. Holding on to my Aaron Rogers love. I'm now denouncing that <laughs> I am now, uh, a faithful, uh, Groupie of the Patrick Mahomes fan club, goat fan club. So, I'm here. It took me a minute, but Aaron Rodgers is no longer the greatest in my mind. It is 100% Patrick Mahomes, and I can't wait to look forward to see what this guy's gonna do the rest of his career. So, for Trevor Twidwell, do me a favor, my guy, and hold Hold this L. L.
1: Well done, Trevor. That's uh, to to hear you admit that is is something special, and not to downplay or over overlook. But uh, it's official, and we get a chance to talk about this really quick before I give you guys out my L's. Um, Yeah, we didn't even talk about this. We didn't get to this yet. It is. I can actually say this on the Spoken Podcast, and I already knew it was coming because I had already been told, but um, it it is now official from the the top down. Uh, Adam Schefter has now reported that Tom Brady is retiring from football after 22 seasons. Look, I, I'm gonna be Trevor was just very transparent about Aaron Rodgers and how he had to demote his guy and, and if anybody knows me, I've never been a Tom Brady guy whatsoever. I think that his career has been very uh, Lucky I will say that right now. He has fallen under a lot of luck Not that he's not a great player because he absolutely is he's a surefire Hall of Fame quarterback But I have never called him the goat because I don't think he's ever once been the best quarterback to do anything There's not one special thing that Tom Brady does but what I will say is this There is no one that can match Tom Brady in work ethic. There is nobody that can match Tom Brady in success to this point. So those are two things that I will forever respect Tom Brady for. To have a 22-year NFL career, period, is unbelievable. I don't care if you're a punter. To be able to do this for over two decades and stay at the top of your game, and athlete, like you're, he was never a great athlete, yeah. and for him to stay at the top of his game and still go out there at 44 years old and lead the league in yards and touchdowns is incredible, but I can't believe I'm actually saying it live on my own show that Tom Brady is actually hanging it up. Uh, it's similar to
0: me when Kobe retired because we hated Kobe yes, so much. He was our villain. But you
1: just respected the living hell out of what you he was as an athlete. Game, yeah. he, Tom Brady is, without question, the most successful athlete I have ever seen. Yeah. Ever. I, yep. I've never seen an athlete be this successful. So hats off to Tom Brady for an incredible career I already knew it was coming I was just waiting for the official word to come down but Jeff Darlington and Adam Schefter have both confirmed that Tom Brady has said it he is done with football he's going to go live his life man there's nothing
0: the greatest career in sports history
1: Yeah. there's nothing left to prove there's nothing left to prove and he is this generation's Bill Russell he really is it's just to to win as much as he has and to have all the success it's going to be uh, really odd to not see Tom Brady play football anymore because I never saw I never thought this day was going to come I really never Thought I thought he was just gonna keep playing football, but there was a difference in the way he was acting and looking after that Rams game, which by the way, it's so crazy that Matt Stafford is the one that ended Tom Brady's career. Who would have thought that Matt Stafford would be the one that that finally took down Tom Brady for once? Yeah, we but yes, the the game the game is better because of Tom Brady. He's done a lot for this league, he's all class, people love him and appreciate him. And whether you're a fan of his or not's. Uh, tip the cap. So you know what? How about this? We're giving we're giving a W to Tom Brady. Absolutely. The show is giving Tom Brady a W for for announcing his retirement and giving this next generation because the, the the NFL in great hands, man. I don't think I've ever seen the league in better hands when it comes to quarterback play. Yeah. There's so many damn good quarterbacks. now. Mostly it's on the AFC side, but. The passing of the torch has officially the torches begun. Torch is in good hands. Yes, yeah. Tom Brady's now gone. He ben them. Roethlisberger yeah. just announced his retirement. Drew Brees is gone. Aaron Rodgers is close to the end. I don't know. I think he's got a couple of years left of football left in him. Okay. But you're seeing it. Peyton Manning's been gone. Like those guys are finally all gone. Yeah. And so now it's Patrick Mahomes' league for sure. Yeah. So a W goes to Tom Brady for all of his accomplishments. I hope he rides off into the sunset enjoys him and his wife's billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. that i uh, i also want to give a w to i'm actually giving two w's i'm getting a little greedy in this segment because eddie's gone i like to capitalize when he's gone look i i am one that criticizes officiating as much as anybody out there whenever i get the opportunity boy i like to let those motherfuckers have it because i think nfl officials are terrible for the most part but i gotta match that energy when they do their job the right way and as i alluded to earlier uh the officials that that that, uh, that officiated the Chiefs Bills game did an incredible job. In fact, so good, in fact, since the wild card round, the NFL officials been great. Yeah, I mean, great. The Packers
0: game, Packers Niners game was great. Bengals Raiders game was trash.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm saying outside of the wild card, like since the divisional round started, it's they've been awesome. The Bengals and Titans game was well officiated. Bucks Niner or Bucks uh, uh, Rams game was well officiated. weren't perfect, but man, I'm gonna match my energy when I criticize them. I give it all, but I'm gonna say right now, man, hats off to NFL officials for what they did over this last weekend. You guys absolutely crushed it. I can only hope. You guys keep that that flowing, man, because Ron-
0: players dictate the game.
1: Ronald Torbert's going to be uh, officiating the the Super Bowl. I'm so nervous about that, but nevertheless, I'm giving a W to the NFL officiating for having an incredible weekend in the divisional round. Now, moving to my L's, I got three of them, Trevor, and I'm so ready for that. I'm going to start with this one, and and I'm this one isn't funny to me at all. Actually, I'm, I'm actually being very serious about this one. Um, there's a lot of content providers out there, there's a lot of networks that give us something to chew on. They all have their own styles. And over the last ten to fifteen years, it's been a lot more edgy. I remember Dead Spin and guys like that start coming around like, oh, this is funny. They they kind of add comedy to it, and they have Barstool. hot takes, and you know, they get clicks off of basically calling out other people, and it's something we all kind of enjoy and watch, you know, and and, and, and feel more connected to. And then Barstool came around. And Barstool decided to start taking things to the next level. They started spanning out to other things. And now they do pizza reviews and things like that. And they they really get the people's attention. They they have a a very um, uh, strong following. There's a lot of people out there that are stoolies, as they like to call themselves. But one thing that the Barstool's really done that, that has really, I think, brought down their quality, besides having people that represent them that have, have, you know, sexual assault allegations on them and divorces and all kinds of crazy shit that, you know, ended in their personal lives that they like to throw out there on the platforms and, and make it a personal matter. Besides all the dirty shit that goes on in their personal lives that they like to throw out there on their shows, now they're starting to talk about other people's personal lives. And yes, I'm going to address what they're doing when it comes to Patrick Mahomes' fiance, Brittany. Look, you can have whatever opinions you want and I I stay the hell away we're, from them. Trevor and I always talk about here. that. We're not I don't ever address that stuff yeah, because yeah. that's not my place. Doesn't matter. Same with Barstool. They're sitting here literally trying to demonize somebody that is that is celebrating the accomplishments of the person they love most. I'm just going to say it, man. That's bullshit. This woman was out here celebrating. I had people that I knew down in the section below them because she was spraying champagne out there to celebrate the Chiefs win over the Bills. And historic game that we just addressed numerous times was the greatest football game ever played. Yeah. And we got people out here saying that she's out here uh, victimizing the fans. Go watch the fucking video again. They're all celebrating and loving every second of it. They're letting that shit rain upon them. And we're sitting here talking about, oh, the Bengals are the last hope because you know we can't stand what their family is doing. Dude... Guys, people are going to celebrate the accomplishments of the people they love. They, they, that's just gonna happen. Is it some things cringy or some things annoying? Or whatever, sure, whatever. But the point remains is that Britney has every right, just like anybody else, to celebrate the accomplishments of somebody that she is going to spend the rest of her life with. So Barstool, shut the hell up. Try Start actually writing some content and actually start putting out sports takes as opposed to fixating and obsessing over people's family that are not in the games. Do me a solid, Barstool. Do me a solid, Stool Presidente, Dave Portnell, you fuckboy. And do me a solid and... Hold this L. Now, my next L is going to go to a guy that had an opportunity this last offseason to join in in the festivities here in Kansas City, but decided to stay with Peter Griffin in a helmet in Pittsburgh, and that's to Juju Smith-Schuster. Andy Reid himself, I don't know about you, Trevor, but if I was getting texts from Andy Reid and he was sending me pictures of him with the Lombardi trophy, I'd be like, what do I got to do? Sign me up, man. I'm I'm on the team. I'll be your water boy. I'll be the towel guy. I'll go get your I'll go get your uh, five guys runs. I'll go get your food. Whatever you gotta do. Juju turned that down. Andy Reid himself was sending him pictures of him with the Lombardi, and that wasn't enough for Juju to take. By the way, the Chiefs were going to pay him more money than the Steelers did this yeah. season. Decided to stay in Pittsburgh. And how ironic is it that the team that ended the Steelers season was who? The Chiefs.
0: The Chiefs. Yeah.
1: And who's hosting their fourth straight AFC championship? The Chiefs. Who could have been a part of all that? Juju Smith-Schuster. John Sherman Schuster. Smith-Schuster could have been a part of this. Now, it could still happen next season. I hope it does. But he wasted a season of his career. He maybe wasted a ring and an opportunity to put himself into that echelon as a champion. Nothing's guaranteed in this league, but one thing's guaranteed is that Juju, you're getting an L for me. So Juju Smith-Schuster, do me a solid and hold, hold this, this L. L. And my final L is going to a guy that Trevor already handed an L to, but for a different reason. Because I'm actually going to talk about the things that are off the field. Because of the fact that he's now claiming had something to do with happened on what happened on the field. So, Trevor already alluded to all the stuff that happened. I'm not going to address all that. I'm not going to rehash any of that. But Aaron Rodgers just came out with a statement a few days ago on the Pat McAfee Show, which we all know is a platform he's very comfortable talking on, which ironically is why I think that there might be a play for him to go to the Colts because Indianapolis and McAfee's connection, that team could really use Aaron Rodgers. It makes a lot of sense with the trade assets and all these other things, but we'll talk about that in another show. But he said on the Pat McAfee Show, this is an actual quote from Aaron Rodgers. There were a ton of people tuning in, rooting against us for one reason and one reason only. It's because of my vaccination status and them wanting to see us lose so they could pile on. Trev, you're the biggest Rodgers fan I know. Tell me that isn't the softest shit you've ever heard from a superstar player. Because here's the thing. Even if that's true...
0: It is true, but...
1: Let's say there's a billion people watching Rodgers and chanting and hoping he loses for that reason.
0: Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, you're a pro athlete, man. And even mentioning it and saying it out loud, ironically putting his own foot in his own mouth.
1: Trevor, do you know how many people probably wrote, uh, uh, root against Patrick Mahomes because he's a mixed human being? Or how many people root against LeBron James because yes. he's black?
0: That's what I'm saying. It's not even worth mentioning. Who
1: gives a fuck? You're going on one of the most popular shows in the world. Pat McAvee is killing it. And you have an open platform and you're going to go on here and cry about people rooting against you because you're on
0: Vax. Especially when you're supposed to be known as the R-E-L-A-X guy. Yes! and the, the, the dude and all this. It's, it's a bad look. Man. He's
1: always given up. He's put so much time and energy to act like I don't give a fuck about anything. He just showed it this offseason about not giving a fuck what anybody thinks. I'm out here with Miles Turner in Hawaii. Turning it up. Doing my thing. on Vax, Doing my thing. And then he goes in here and cries about what people think. Bruh, you're soft as Charmin, and I'm a Rodgers fan.
0: I mean, he had a chance to be honest from the jump, so I mean, this is all entirely his fault. The backlash <laughs> is entirely his fault. He's the
1: one that sending it up. Thank you. Regardless of I'm, what you yeah, think I'm about, immunized.
0: Regardless of what you think about vaccinations, you, you brought this on you.
1: Thank you. So this dude's taking L's all over the place, yeah. Trevor. He's taking an L from you for his performance on the field, and I'm giving him an L for what his dumb ass is saying off the field. Yeah. Dude, go grab some tissues. Billy Crystal has this gif that I like to use on Twitter. He's just like handing the box of Kleenexes to you. Just do that. Okay, and then blow through it. That sucks. Then throw it in the trash and try to, you know, make a completion like you could do in the, you know, NFC Divisional round. And then when you're done with that, wipe your butt. Okay? <laughs> then go take a nap cuz you're grumpy. Maybe have a Snickers, you know, cuz you got to have, you know, that little thing cuz you're Relax. thinking clearly. And then do me a solid and hold, hold this L. L. Appreciate you, Raj.
0: We rog. can't we can't we can't let this show go without giving Eddie Ortiz an L. Do it. Listen, Eddie, tune in, baby. 100% chance the Bills win. <laughs> quoted oh yeah thank you quote, unquote thank you. <laughs> eddie motherfucking ortiz
1: i think i have that screenshot 100
0: percent Yeah, see. we'll we'll post that in the group we'll uh, post that in the group on facebook lance, lance will get the screenshot of the i got my here. receipts the guy he didn't say it on the show because after me and lance went on a roll as to why how the, why the chiefs are gonna win he didn't want to say the 100 but and he with his own thumbs with his own chubby little thumbs <laughs> Typed over text messages to me, and Lance, in our chat group, that the Bills 100% are gonna win. Here it is. Go ahead, and say it. What did you, what did you say? Quote.
1: I, I put. I said. Eddie said in our group chat. I said. Eddie said this morning that the Bills are winning 100%, and this is Eddie's response. If you can see it, I don't know if it shows up. 1,000. 1,000%.
0: 1, yeah. So I mean, look. I know we just we just we, this this is maybe the longest L segment ever. <laughs> um but it, I wasn't gonna let this show go without that, letting that slide, man. So Thank you for reminding me, by the way. So, Eddie Ortiz, you were 100% wrong. <laughs> Do me a favor, my guy, we'd miss you. Get back here soon and safe. Do me a solid and hold, hold this,
1: this L, hour, woo! Man, this has been a fucking great show, dude. It, it's always better when we're like it's it's in the playoffs and the Chiefs are making another run. I just so I'm so jovial. We're all pumped up, yeah, and we have Mark Gunnel's on the damn show. It's just, game tomorrow, baby. I'm stoked, guys. I'm so ready for this damn weekend to get going, man, and to see the Chiefs advance to their third consecutive Super Bowl because that's what's go. gonna happen. I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys are ready, man, because I know the Chiefs are. I know they're ready to go, man. So Absolutely. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode because goddamn, I know I did. Trevor, you brought it, man. You had some great takes. Thank you, Eddie, who wasn't here. I know that it was probably rough for you to not have to, you know, fend yourself for that that 1,000% guarantee. But nevertheless, we're going to give you guys our scores. Yes, we're going to give you guys our scores tomorrow, let you guys know what happens. But, yes, again, follow our guy Mark Gunnels on Twitter. It's Mark A. Gunnels. Hit him up, guys. The man knows what he's talking about. I'm telling you, he's a great dude, and he's a great, great uh, follow on Twitter as well. So for that, for the absentee Eddie Ortiz, who is 1,000% guaranteed a Bills victory, for Trevor Twidwell, for the great Mark Gunnels, for our producer Clay Windler, who always puts this bad boy together, for all of you guys we love so dearly and hold so dearly close to our hearts, I am Lance Twidwell, episode 152 of the Spoken Pod podcast is done, finished and finito, and until 153 is here, we're talking about another Super Bowl appearance for our Kansas City Chiefs, we out of this bitch. Later. Hey my